You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello and welcome to episode 227 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is Dave and I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. Jay. Hello. And Andy. Hello. It's a full team once again. The stars have aligned again. It's been a great 2024 so far. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And what a great show we've got because we're going to be chatting to the legend that is Duncan Rhodes later on in this episode. Let's get out there nice and quick. We're going to be chatting about a certain paint range that he has and a new wave of them which are on the horizon so that is a really um, exciting little bit of an interview that's going to be going on later on in the show keeping the theme of the podcast to you know the hobbying side of the uh, of the um, what am I even trying to say the hobbying side (laughs) the hobbying side of the hobby the hobbying side of the hobby and we wanted to know our top three pieces of advice we would give to somebody new to Warhammer and we open the door to the community as well to send in some of their top threes which we'll read out towards the end of the show and of course Matt will be filling us in all on the latest news that's been happening in the world of Warhammer won't you Matt? I will indeed. Excellent but before we get stuck into all of that content it's one of my favourite parts of the podcast it's where we talk about all the cool hobby stuff that we've been doing and who should I pick up? I kind of wish I'd built like a roulette wheel with each of your faces on, and then I could spin <laughs> it at this point and see who it lands on. I might make that for the next you need show. You need that. Yeah. Let's pick on Jay. Jay, what have you been up to in the hobby since the last podcast? What have I been in, up to on? So I don't think I've spoken about this at the last since the last podcast, but you can jump in if I'm wrong. But we went to a Warhammer World event, a one day um Horus Heresy. Um, a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, it was a fifteen hundred point Horus Heresy event. I think there was about thirty players, um, so a yeah. bit of a smaller format. Three games over the course of a day. It was absolutely awesome. So I love the Horus Heresy anyway. Yeah, it was. It was. It was really, really cool. Really, really good atmosphere. Um, the games because only fifteen hundred points. You know, you, you tend to see um quite different army lists than what you would traditionally fight at three thousand mm. points. Uh, so on the whole, like less dreadnoughts, less las cannon squads, that kind of thing. So it's really, really cool. Um, I didn't do very well. I think I drew one and lost two. Um, but I still had a, a really, really cool time. Um, there was a really cool um, sort of painting competition-y thing. So rather than um, like a best army um, um, kind of... Um, competition uh every um attendee was um invited to uh put a, a model in a, in the display cabinet so the the uh, the theme was uh hq so you could choose a hq unit and put that in the cabinet to be judged by everybody and um yeah i put my blood angels herald in the in the cabinet which is my uh zephon conversion with the banner and um i got a, a gold medal i got a best painted hq um, so I was really happy with that as well. So um, yeah, a, a really really great great day. Um, I don't know, Jay. This this Horace Heresy trophy cabinet in here seems to be growing, doesn't it? <laughs> it's the Blood Angels, I know. Yeah, they're, 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 they're steeped in glory, which is true to the Blood Angels law. You know, they were you know very much steeped in glory during the Great Crusade, towards the latter end of the Great Crusade, anyway. <laughs> um, so I'll stay on the Horace Heresy front. 
Um, I finished reading End of the Death Part 3, well, listening to End of the Death Part 3. I uh, thoroughly enjoyed those three books. Um, really, really cool sort of um, conclusion to the to the series. I won't spoil any details. I know there's probably lots of folk out there who are still reading it or not got around to it yet. Um, but that was a, a really, really cool sort of um, uh, hobby milestone. Uh, I mean, how long has that series been going now? Is it 20 Ooh, yeah. years or something? A long time, yeah. It yeah. Was, so, um, 36 books plus various stuff more than 36 isn't there an awful lot yeah i'm sort of tempted to um go back and listen to the first four or five joe like um horace rising uh flight of the eisenstein and um uh first heretic those, those mm. first four or five books i'm tempted to go back and listen to them again knowing what i know now might be quite interesting um mm. we've also got another horace heresy event coming up in march and this is like this is it's basically a two-dayer one game stretched over two days at warhammer world um 3500 points per player at least and you're on a team with multiple players i think there's four battle zones spread across warhammer world that we'll be fighting across over the over the course of the two days so i'm i'm currently painting up some blood angels reinforcements to take to that event i have a mastodon in front of me on my painting station uh, i am currently getting this up to a point where i have to drown it in darko flesh contrast paint as part of my sort of painting recipe for the blood angels not looking forward to that bit but you know <laughs> there we go um and that that's me horace heresy um, as well as my Horus Heresy, I am all in on the old world and I just can't stop reading the uh, real books and making armies. I just want to get some games. I watched you guys play at the um, at the uh, club night the other night and I just want to play again now. So I've been rebasing all my old metal dwarfs. I've been texting Andy with, have you got one of these, Andy? Have you got one of those? And putting together a, a dwarf <laughs> force. Um, really looking forward to um, having some games with them and getting some paint on them. And then lastly, the other thing that I've been working on, because this has caught me by surprise. Do you know, I think we had a podcast um, topic a few weeks ago where um, what model inspires you to collect an army and that kind of thing. Well, yeah. when at the LVO reveals, we saw the crew. And I have to say, I didn't even know I wanted a crew army so bad. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm obsessed with them now. I've been reading loads of lore about them. Um, and I picked up the, um, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, the, uh, is it Farstalkers Kin Band or Kindred? Yeah, the Kill Team. Yeah, The yeah. Kill Team, yeah. With, yeah, with the new crew, crew models in there. And I've been painting those up using um, a painting guide I found online. Um, and I, oh, they're so nice. Those models are so characterful. And they're actually really big. I put them next to my old crew and next to my Tau, like twice the size of a Tau Firewarrior. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Um, so I've been painting them up. Um, I want to get that squad sort of painted ready for when the new crew hit so that I've got like a unit to add to and build a small 1000 point army, perhaps. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited about them. So actually, it's been quite um, quite a jam packed hobby. A um, couple of weeks, really. Yeah, yeah. I'll pass the baton right. on to to Andy. <laughs> <laughs> You're skipping my uh, wheel. <laughs> Oh, sorry. I'm going to pass my imaginary will. I'm going to spin it. I'm going to spin my imaginary wheel. Right. I'm spinning it. Oh, it's landing on Andy. Yeah. What, what, oh, what are the odds? What are the odds? What have I been up to? Uh, wow. Okay. Um, I've got the Horns of Hashut Warcry uh, team on my paint desk at the minute. They're fully built, and I've finally managed to get some good weather today um, and get them primed. And I used one of the Colorforge um, primers. I think it's called Desert Desert Sand, I think it's called, um, and it's, which is basically like Zandri dust. 
<clears throat> um, so my plan is get them painted um, this week, hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, and then I can start on a piece of scenery for my Warcry and Kill Team challenge. Because um, that was one part that I didn't get done last month uh, for Kill Team. I didn't get any scenery painted because um, I got distracted by the old world, which then <laughs> leads me very, very smoothly into the old world. Um, also on my paint desk at the minute is um, 32 skeleton warriors uh, for my Tomb Kings. Um, I've... Uh, I've seen a couple of people online and what they've done is they've there's effectively four legs per sort of like sprue for for the skeletons and two of them one of them's kind of like leaning forward and the other one almost looks like the skeletons dancing with like an L-shaped leg um and so my plan is to use those legs as archers um so that the one that's sort of like dancing i'm just going to call it the dancing skeleton um that's going to be the one that's going to be sort of like find the bow into the air sort of thing um and then the other two dancing set of legs are kind of... something. yeah exactly yeah yeah undead archers mind you like undead archers they've got that is it arrows of the ass special rule yeah. they're actually probably more yeah, accurate yeah. than a wood elf in most situations yeah yeah but surprisingly very accurate um but yeah, but my skeleton warriors then have like the other two set of legs, which are kind of just like standing at attention sort of legs. Uh, um, skeletons at the bar so, waiting for a drink to get back on the dance floor legs. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> those sort of legs. Um, I've also built eight skeleton horsemen uh, from the Tomb King's army box. Um, that was an experience and a half, that was. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> I mean, the, the skeleton horses come in two parts, which at first you think, oh, that, well, that's dead easy. It's only, you know, I have to glue one bit, done. <laughs> but <laughs> that one bit then has flash on it, which you don't see until you've already put glue on it. And so, you know, they don't quite stick together. Um, and then when I was putting the um, the riders on back of the skeleton, there's no sort of saddle or anything like that. So I had to file the back of the horses down a little bit just so the sort of like the um what do you call it yeah the rider yeah um just so it would sit flush with the the horse um now i made the mistake of gluing the heads on first and the heads looked perfectly fine when i glued them on (laughs) then when you put them on the body they're kind of looking upwards um so (laughs) But my maybe maybe they're being attacked is... by uh, Bretonian Pegasus knights. Big, big yeah, exactly. elf skeleton horses can't look sky. up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Everyone knows yeah, that. Yeah, so that that was uh, that was an experience building them, but they're done. So, I can't so what you're saying is is when people. I'm lining up a twat charge with my dwarf <laughs> slayers, come at them from below. <laughs> Um, what else have I been up to? Um, I helped uh, my fellow PSU organizer Craig uh, to run a one-day 40k event as of a recording just over a week ago. Um, that was that was good fun. Like I don't mind running events, but obviously every now and again you do enjoy playing in them. Um, so that was 
that was good fun to see. But it was a good mix of armies. So I, was, I thought it was going to be loads of Space Marines, but I think Space Marines made up about 11 out of 26 players. So there was a good variety in armies. What's the, uh, what's the um, most recent codex? Dark Angels, isn't that, I think, the most recent codex? Did you see any Dark Angels there? I don't uh, think there were no... yet. The book, the, uh, yeah, the but... box came out last week. It's, it's weird with the two-week pre-order now, isn't it? Oh, right. Yeah, 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 there were no Dark Angels. No Dark Angels. There was... Uh, Couple of space wolves, um, salamanders. There was a there was a good mix of like the, the space armies that were there. Um, and we've also got a one day Age of Sigma event coming up as of recording next weekend, yeah. um, which I'm actually playing in. Um, Are you playing Andy? Yeah, I'm playing in this one. Um, oh, I've no what idea bringing? what I'm bringing. No idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, I was tempted by my Oso- my Ossiot Bone Reapers because I've not played a game with them. Um, the list I've written, I've got almost everything built and painted. Um, so I I might might take my Bone Reapers, might take Blades of Corn. Um, I don't know really at the minute. Um, but that's that's pretty much me just uh, building some old world. Um, I ordered finally finally Games Workshop got the metal. Lich Priest um, back in stock, so I ordered one of those today. Oh, nice. Felt a little bit weird only spending £12.50 on the Games Workshop website. Um, <laughs> and £3.50 of that was posters and packaging. So, um, yeah, that was a bit weird. But hopefully when that comes, I can get a Lich Priest built and painted, and then I can start cracking on with my Tomb Kings properly and getting them on the tabletop. So, that's me. I'm, I'm looking forward to um, to us having like a day of old world gaming, a couple of games side by side, maybe even a uh, triumph and treachery. Yeah. 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 Well, that. I I tried to get um a ticket for the old world um yeah. event up in April, um at Warhammer World, which um yeah I it wasn't very successful. Um, <laughs> but I, I think they sold it in like second Sunday. Yeah, oh, so, yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, but yeah, I'd be very tempted to have like a two-day um, old world event that weekend. Should we, should we, should we, should we arrange something then? An unofficial sprues and brews. Dave, you'll have old an army world event. then, won't you? Yeah, I will. We, that, that is good. That sounds like a future feature. That sounds good. Excellent. You know what we could even do? We can even do. Here we go. I'm going outside the box here, live while we're recording. We could record the podcast while doing this event. Oh, talk yeah. About our, our, our happenings. That'd be cool. Yeah. Even <laughs> if it's just like a segment, that'd be, that'd be yeah. fun. Yeah. That'd be good. Almost Spruce and Bruce on the road only will just yeah, be in a different location. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. I, I think that sounds like a really good idea. Um, Andy, do you want to spin the imaginary wheel? <laughs> <laughs> sure. This is oh, Matt. <laughs> oh, oh, you know what? It does say Matt. Yeah. Well, oh, do you want some Matt? Well, well, I've been, I've been very busy. I, I, I had to sit here thinking, what have I actually painted? Because it's all a bit of a blur. But um, I've painted a load of flesh eater courts since the last podcast. Yeah, Ushran and the other new characters that came out alongside the uh, Rise of the Mad King book. And I gotta say, guys, I'm loving the flesh eaters at the minute. Yeah, I was never a fan of them because the, the, the models were very dated. Most of the models were old, like Warhammer Fantasy models, weren't they? 
Yeah. But now you can do an army with just brand new models. The 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 crypt guard are amazing. The Moorberg knights are awesome, and all the characters are so much fun to play. Usheran in particular he's is an the, absolute beast. Yeah, what's the? Is that Usheran? Is that the big one? Like the? Yeah, he's the yeah. Mortart. So he, he. So I don't know. You probably. I don't know if you've read the books, but he was a, a paladin, Jay, back in the day. Um, uh, and um, slowly yeah, went. You, you couldn't tell. You couldn't tell. He slowly went mad, and um, Nag- Nagash tried to help him out uh, with this. This. Some call it a prison. He calls it a crown. But basically, it um, it drove him insane and left him under Nagash's control. He wasn't too happy about this. And they basically went off and he's created this little kind of colony of, of mental, ghoulish knights. And and yeah, he, he was really, really fun model to paint up. I'm, um, I'm looking forward to picking up some more Morberg knights to pad out the army. In addition to that, though, I've also been um, building my... Horus Heresy Apocalypse Army. Saw the picture today. Yeah, so I'm I'm working on Armoured Spearhead. I've got a few more tanks to build and then Operation Airbrush can start. So I needed a a tank commander. So I used the uh, Decorian model. Um, He's the guy with a big uh, banner and a heavy bolter. And he's going to be my tank commander. He's on top of a Sakaran. And yeah, I've really enjoyed building the tanks. They're, they're, They're really nice, the new Horus Heresy tank kits, aren't they? They are. I mean, well. Yeah, the Sakaran in particular, I think, just screams heresy to me. Mm. Um, it's a really, really sort of iconic heresy vehicle for me. So, um, but yeah, he looks really cool with the. Uh, it's a resin, isn't it, the Decoran? And it's got it is, the sort yeah. of Horus iconography on it. Yeah, it looks very cool. So yeah, so he's a, he's my general for the force. I just need to build a <clears throat> another land raider and a second Typhon because I'm going double Typhon, boys. We are, we are going to be a proper siege breaker force. We're blowing Never the go double down. typhon. <laughs> Never go double typhon, no. But it, <laughs> it, it fits exactly in my Lord of War allowance. I was like, go <laughs> with it. All the massive guns. So, yeah, it's I've got some infantry in there. They are in tanks, of course. So, yeah, fully fully motorised um, army, which should be really fun to use on the table. Unless I'm facing off against, like, 50 las cannons and I'll lose my entire army turn well, one. Well, yeah, I think, I'm hoping, because I think you submit your list a bit early, don't you? So, I'm thinking that the guys um, organising the event, they may take a look at the different armies and try and create some interesting matchup. Because, like you say, it, it, you bring an entire tank company and, and someone's got three units of sun killers on the other side of the board, you're not going to have much fun. But if they put you against, you know, like against another tank company, for example, I can imagine that battle being really, really fun. That'd be really good. I mean, you know, one of the boards is like a, a desert wasteland and we've got these tanks kind of doing, you know, World War II style tank battles. It'd be really yeah, good, wouldn't it? I think that would be cool. Yeah. So, yeah, so I've been working on him. I've also, like you boys, been working on some old world stuff. I've been working on my Bretonians, uh, building some Grail Knights and some Squires and a Grail Reliquy. And by building, I mean sitting there with half an hour holding a piece of plastic and a piece of metal next to each other <laughs> and then releasing them. They're not being stuck together, but both parts are stuck to different thumbs. Yeah. That is pretty much the experience of building uh, resin uh, metal plastic combi kits. This is I it. Not those days. It's just it's weird because like building metal models, I think is fine. Building plastic models is fine. Building them together, oh god. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, know whether the like metal doesn't 
bond with the plastic very well, but it just, yeah, it sticks to your finger and it's, and there's lots of swearing involved. But they're, they're built now and they look amazing. And I need to find a bit of a slot in the diary to start painting them. But I think I said on a previous show, I, I kind of, this is going to be my long term over 2024 kind of project. I don't want to rush them because I want to go all to town with heraldry and stuff. And I think you can do that because, like, the Bretonians, they're out or, you know, they're in the process of coming out now. There's not going to be any more Bretonian releases, I wouldn't have thought, for this sort of cycle of the old world. So you pick the army, stick with the army and, and get it painted over the course of the yeah, year. You know exactly. what I mean? It's not like you're getting a new release every six months or you've got to change the army around. You can sort of build the army and get it and then and then work on it through the year. I think that's a good idea. That's the sort of strategy I'm going to try and take with the old world. Um I, I, Similar to what the Horus Heresy, I guess, where the list comes mm. out and that that's your list then really for for the duration. Yeah, so so that's been fun doing that, and then also um, did a tournament with Stacey. We went to the Age of Sigmar um, Thrinner Schools doubles, Stacey's first AOS tournament. Um, it was really fun. Uh, a thousand points each. She brought her Sylvaneth. I brought my Head Knights of Slanesh, and we did all right. I think over out of I think it was about 90 teams. We came 18th. So, yeah, right. top 20. I was pretty happy with that. Nice uh, one. Mostly down to Stacey's stunning army. We got, like, fa- four favourite army votes. She had, like, lights and endless spells and all sorts. So, yeah, that was uh, that was pretty impressive. But, no, it was really good fun. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm going to use that army and add another couple of units and get that ready for the unicorns one day as well. So, yeah. We'll get some depravity dice going, I think. Ooh. I, I expect <coughs> you to take flesh eaters, actually. Well, you see, I was going to take flesh eaters, but I think it might be a bit of a flesh eater fest because I think everybody else will be doing the same. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to take some slanesh because. Well, uh, there's at least uh, two other people on this podcast also attending that event that aren't taking flesh eaters. So there's some balance. True. That is true. But now I'm going to take the slash because I've, I've been. I've, obviously, we did that tournament, so they're still fresh in my mind and I know how to play them. So. I think you know, have a practice game tomorrow, see how the new list is, and then, yeah, roll with them. Um, what's interesting, I think the um, the uh, big Battle Scroll update is going to be this week, so we'll have to see <laughs> what how that plays yeah. into the event. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll we'll see. Hopefully the points won't change too much and ruin everybody's lists. So I think they've all got to be submitted by Thursday. So They do, which I think maybe the, the day that comes out as well, so we'll see. <laughs> um, so... I'd love to spin your imaginary wheel, but the, I think I feel the element of surprise is gone now, Dave. It, it has, unfortunately, because there's only I left. Um, so what have I been up to in the hobby? I'd like to think I've been quite busy, actually. Um, first and foremost, for the website, I've reviewed two products that I've been using for at least a, a month or so now. Um, I know I started using them when I started painting um, Sectar. Sh- 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 Sectar? The crazy vampire lady with the snake, um, of which I've also painted as well since last podcast, which was a lot of fun to paint. But I've um, I've been reviewing the um, Artist Opus M brushes, which are amazing. They're like the best brushes I've ever used. I mean, you would expect that with the how much they are, but oh man, I'm I am in love with those brushes. Uh, and I've also been re- reviewing a modular art box by a company called Cry Droofy, um, which has also been really good because I tend to flirt between my hobby desk and sitting with the family downstairs. So this little art box has got like a couple of little water pots. It's got a little portable wet palette in there, a place to kind of put your brushes. 
Um, the only thing I kind of miss out on is somewhere to put like clippers and glue, but you know, I'll put that in the review anyway. Um, so yeah, I've been reviewing those products, which has been great. It's been helping my kind of general hobbying as well, um, trying to improve my painting and whatnot. Um, so that's been really fun. And obviously, I painted uh, Sektar for the um, Soul Black Grave Lords, and she was a, a lot of fun to build and paint. Um, I have built and painted her for Age of Sigma. Whether or not she gets rebased or not, maybe she will. Maybe she's going to this week. I don't know. We'll see. Um, on that subject, and, and you have all mentioned it, the old world, I have been busy rebasing 20 Grave Guard. They're all done. I think I've done all my normal skeletons now. They took a bit longer because there was lots of swearing involved. Uh, and I'm halfway through doing a bunch of zombies as well. Um, so I'm very, 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 very close to having uh, my, my sort of starter force of vampire counts ready to go. I'm just waiting on the delivery of some Blood Knight bases and my movement trays. Um, so once I've got those, I should be. Yeah, I've got to, go. to um, I've got to sort some movement trays out as well. I was also lucky, and I found a really really cool gadget, uh, which helps you more easily calculate the distance you wheel. So you can get these various sort of um, that they almost look like set squares, but you you know you get three or four of them for different frontages and size bases, and and it'll tell you know you you move your unit up to it, and it'll say oh, that that that's how many inches that unit's moved. Uh, I I don't know whether you need them or not, but I thought they looked pretty cool. Cool. Yeah, they sound quite quite helpful. Um, aside from that, old world wise, I'm still kind of going through all the books, trying to decide what to do after the vampire camps. I think I'm once I've got them all rebased because kind of some of the army's already painted, so I don't think it'll take me long to do the the zombies and the further skeletons that I've got to do. Um, so hopefully very soon I'll be able to start looking at. I'm gonna do in you know air commerce here, but. A, a proper kind of supported um, old world army. And I, I cannot for the life of me decide which one to do. Um, I was very tempted to do the, um, the empire, but then my head is getting a little bit turned by the cities of Sigma for some reason at the moment. So Ooh. I don't know. Um, I might, I might do something else instead. So that frees me up to do MCs. Um, aside from that, uh, I've also been building some orcs for 40 K um, as a, a little bit of a kind of, you know, I've got a little bit of time, don't want to infuriate myself by doing some bases, so I'll build some orcs. Um, so as Jay's building crew, I'm, I'm hoping to kind of build along an orc army with you, Jay. Um, Excellent. At least starting with the combat patrol. I want to try and get it done by the end of March so that I can sort of tie it in with our local Warhammer stores, New Year, New Army. Uh, they have been really fun to, to, to build, and I can't wait to start painting them. I have done some test painting on, on some orc skin, because there's various ways of doing it, and I, I've I've not quite fell on the one that I... Well, I hadn't fallen on one that I really liked. And then, as luck would have it, because we're interviewing him later, I watched a Duncan Rhodes video um, from his painting academy on painting a, a goth orc and um fell upon a great way of doing walk skin so that's the way that i've decided to do it so um i'll, I'll remember to thank him later um on on that uh, on that particular scheme so looking forward to to painting those and i think that's me yeah i think that's everything i've been i've been up to so it's quite a chunky intro to our podcast this week and we don't plan to get through matt will be back with the news next So what do we have in this week's news, Matt? 
Well, jumping into the world of the Age of Sigmar first, uh, we've got another two spearheads on the way. Now, they've said these are a replacement of the uh, the old Vanguard boxes, but I've got a sneaking <coughs> suspicion that these are going to be essentially combat patrol for Age of Sigmar in the new edition of the game. Mm. Just from the wording, I don't know, I'm just getting that vibe. Uh, and there's two new ones announced today. One for the Flesh Eater Courts, which looks really, really nice. Um, if you missed out on the the army set, this is a good one to pick up because you get 10 Crypt Guard, three Morberg Knights, um, a Vargulf, and an Aberrant Arch Regent as well. So really nice selection of stuff. And again, depending on what you take, you can change what's battle line there in, in the list as well. But you mentioned the Cities of Sigmar earlier, Dave. Yeah. And there may be a release that I, I think you'll be snapping up as soon as it's on pre-order. Yeah. The Cities of Sigmar Spearhead. This is a very nice box. You get a unit of 10 steel helms. You get a unit of five knights, a cavalier marshal, and a big old cannon. Ooh. Yeah, you, you're, not, that. You're, not, you're not wrong, Matt. You're not wrong. Oh, it's really cool as well. It gets shot of the second Cavalier Marshal. You could probably do a decent force with two of them boxes as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that looks that looks pretty tasty. And if I didn't already have a load of Cities of Sigma, I'd I'd pick that up myself. And it's definitely good. I think more so than the Vampire Counts one, um, especially the Courts one. Sorry, I think that's a really good one to like start a new Cities of Sigma force. Mm. Um, staying on the uh, AOS front as well. Warcom announced their organized play kind of setup. So this is like independent stores and stuff can basically get one of these boxes and run an event. What's really cool this time is that everyone who plays in it gets a little range doofer. I don't know what the official word is. I just call them a range doofer. The little three-inch widget. Um, but it looks really yeah, nice. Um, range doofers. Range doofers, yeah, that's, that's what they're called. Um, it, it, you know, it'd be really cool if any kind of like independent people could like get this like say the andy the, the purple sparkle unicorns if they're able to pick up something like this i'm sure they jump at it but unfortunately i think it's just limited to stores and it's a bit of a shame that i feel yeah i think for um for to qualify for that you need a much larger audience than what we get unfortunately yeah that's a shame but yeah really nice thing that they put out for it uh, and also on the aos front as well I believe this week the um, Battle Scroll update drops. So that's exciting. Um, no, no idea what to expect, really. I'm, I'm, we're not in touch with the meta, always the cool kids would call it. But I, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I suspect there'll be some points adjustments and tweaks. And, you know, they sometimes even do War Scroll changes and stuff, don't they? So mm. it'll be interesting to see what it is. Because arguably, this is going to be the final update of third edition, isn't it? Because let's face it, in a couple of months, we'll be talking about fourth edition. Yeah. So, yeah, interested to see what is in there. Moving over to the Horus Heresy side of things, we've seen a couple of cool reveals. Uh, the Siege Breaker console is uh, on the way, and he looks pretty cool with a big old thunder hammer. He and a does. big old tablet. <laughs> yeah, he looks really cool. He's the kind of model where you sort of think, hmm, how could I fit him into an army? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, he looks he looks really really good. Um, I, uh, I I quite fancy picking this guy up, and I know what you mean, Jay. That that model could be quite a good basis for converting up as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a console option, isn't it? The Siege Breaker. Mm. Um, so obviously, you know, you, you think yeah, Iron Warriors potentially Imperial Fist would make you know good candidates for that character. I'd have to get the book out and see what 
you know what he what he, what benefits he gives the army. But um, I think he's painted up as a son of Horus, and he looks very cool. He's yeah. one servo arm away from being a warsmith. He is, well, isn't he? Yeah, when I when I saw Not him, bad, I thought, him. Yeah, he does look like an Iron Warrior. Yeah, it's a really, really nice model, but not as nice as the other new model we've seen revealed. And this is the, let me get the name right, it is the the Hermes Pattern Light Sentinel. Nobody's better than the delivery service. Oh, that's what I was thinking too. This is just so very nostalgic. So I think I, I shared a picture, of, but, but on the um, the New Year teasers, obviously we saw a silhouette of this, didn't we? Mm. And it is a very stripped back lo-fi sentinel which is a really cool kind of reimagining of the original metal sentinel that the um imperial army i think they were called then had back in the uh back in the day Ooh. what do we think of this I, I mean i really like it for the retro appeal I, I i guess in younger audiences that may not have that retro charm might think it looks a bit cheesy uh, i think i think it's cool because like you say we talked earlier on about the Sakaran being like, a, you know, the epitome of heresy, like vehicles, in my view. This is just something else to sort of distinguish it more from the 40K setting. Not that I wouldn't want to see these kind of things in 40K as well, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it looks a lot more dangerous to drive than a 40K Sentinel because it's pretty much just a seat on legs with yeah. like a blast screen in front of it. I, I think it looks it looks cool i guess i think i prefer the armored one that we saw with the box yeah well what's cool though i think this is a fast tech choice which isn't very heavily represented in the solar auxilia so it's cool that they're bringing out new kits to to flesh that out the big question mark is i, I think they already said that the um the new upcoming book's going to have these solar auxilia units in it that does potentially leave the door open for you know new legions to start your stuff being in a supplement book so I think that's a uh, yeah it's annoying for the the small library you'd have to take to a game with yeah but that is cool that means the door's always open for new stuff for heresy which is you know obviously very cool yeah we've yeah. always said actually that we quite like that sort of method of releasing new kits and new rules you know because just independent of a main army book and things like that yeah, yeah. And, uh, and like you know let's face it we, we we were chatting about this the other day weren't we Jay? I think at the event and. Oh, Horus Heresy Second Edition is it's a few years old now, isn't it? Yeah. You know, we get through AOS this summer, and then the big release next summer. We're probably not too far off a, a third edition or at least a revised rulebook or something. So, yeah, the game the game's been going a little bit longer than you think. It, it just the last few years and releases have flown by, haven't they? Yeah. Mm, yeah. So onto the 40k side, and Jay, I think I'm going to open the floor to you for these these couple of models that we've seen. Today on Warcom, a new Crute Trail Shaper was shown off. Uh, it, I mean, we've seen a few new Crute characters now, haven't we? Mm. Um, which is really, really cool. And each one of them, even though on the face of it, they're just, you know, they're armed the same way, they've got the same main weapon, but they so they have so much individual character. It's really really cool, you know. I mean, really, what you're looking at is is a crew in a bit of leather armor with a crew rifle, each one with a knife. But, <laughs> yeah. But they've still managed to make them all look really really characterful. Um. So this one, he's sort of um, he's sort of like pointing out, isn't he? He's like mm. loading his rifle and pointing out. Um, this the trail. 
sorry to jump in, Jay. This one gave me vibes of the limited edition shape that we had years ago. Yeah, the pointing. metal one. Yeah. Yes, you, you're dead right there. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because they said, didn't they, that obviously that we'd seen about half of the different releases for the for the crew in that little preview that they did, and it definitely feels like it's. Uh, uh, yes, it's in the Tau Codex, but this could be a standalone crew army. Which is really cool. I, I know, Jay, I guess you're going to do an entirely Crew Force, are you? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I've got a massive Tau army already, so I don't need to add anything else to the Tau. Um, I can't remember whether we've already read this or whether it's just a guess, but there'll be a, a Crew detachment with Crew enhancements, and so you yeah. can just build that full Crew list. Um, yeah. And, you know, I mean, they're not going to have any heavy tanks, I wouldn't have thought, but, but by the looks of it, you're going to be able to build quite an interesting little um tricksy army to play against they've, they've previewed a few of the rules haven't they i saw today there's a is it i think they've got a seven inch rather than nine inch restriction to their um the type mechanics um and then there's some synergies that they get with the crew hounds um so yeah i think this is going to be quite a you know uh, almost like a wood elf beastman type army yeah i mean it's really pretty cool. So if anything finishes a move within nine inches of him, his unit can make a move of D6 inches. They've got scout seven inches. So at the start of the game, they can all scout ahead seven inches. And then after you've deployed your army, you can choose to remove him and a unit off the board and put them into reserves. So lots of shenanigans on play. Yeah, a bit like the uh, Gene Steel Colts, maybe. Yeah. And the Raven Guard. So, yeah, that's really cool. But that's not the only crew stuff that we've seen since the last podcast because there's going to be a standalone crew hound kit coming out i know there's one or two in the kill team box but yeah a box of five crew hounds that's really cool yeah these are cool like you say that they're very very similar to the crew hounds you get in the um kill team box you get two in the kill team box um they're old metal models i think or fine cast nowadays um but i mean again crew hounds are an iconic sort of a crew unit as well um it'll be interesting to see um whether they get any like the um i can't remember what they were the, the crew touch riders or they were like mm. riding two-legged crew beasts um in addition to the big bigger sort of crew um i can't remember what they were called the ones we've seen at the lvo preview yeah it was, it's, a, it's a strain of crew ox and i think it's, it's the same concept as the old forge world models but obviously they've gone down the crew tox kind of line i think they're, they're infant crew tox that are more aggressive which yeah. does leave the open for, uh, door open for old kind of crew toxes with a heavy weapon on the back of them and have like a whole like trinity of different crew tox units yeah i know we've there was a silhouette of one like riding a very sort of lift um, nimble looking croot mm. uh, beast and we've not seen that yet so um, well, it wouldn't surprise me if that's a shaper on a crew tox yeah maybe a character yeah you know because with a minute you, you can have loads of different squads with a different character in each of them like i say probably like full army so really yeah. i mean the, the biggie's going to be when that box drops obviously we'll see the codex we'll see the details yes. so i think gw are keeping their cards close to the chest until that box drops because i reckon there's gonna be a few more surprises in there mm. Yeah, I think they will. Speaking of surprises, the Warhammer events miniatures have been announced for 2024. And again, Jay, I- I'm guessing that you're going to pick one of these up in uh, Warhammer World in a few weeks. The, uh, yes, uh, I sh- <laughs> the Crew Carnivore. Yeah, he looks ace. <laughs> again, just another Crew with a rifle. <laughs> in leather armour. In leather armour. 
Yeah, he looks cool though, doesn't he? It's just an it's just an alternate crew carnivore to put in your squad, but yeah, <laughs> he looks cool, doesn't he? He's, he's got a snack carrying around with him. He's got some like ribs or something hanging from his belt. It's all good. This is it. Yeah, I've seen that like the uh, joints of meat that they have hanging <laughs> yeah. off the flesh hooks. <laughs> so yeah, he's really nice. I I like the Age of Sigma model more though. So there's a, there's a unit the uh, the command core, which is basically a little kind of like support unit of different characters with different uh, effects, and the other the Age of Sigma event model is a alternate arch knight, and he looks really cool with like raven styled armor. Yeah, he does look very cool. He um, reminds me of Castlevania for some reason. Well, not for some reason. It's you know just to get that vibe from him. Yeah, or like, you know, Demon Souls or something like that. Dark yeah. Souls kind of, yeah. He looks cool. I, I want to bet those kind of feather made out of metal on his plate armor is going to hurt to put on, though. <laughs> Just not a very comfortable outfit. But yeah, both of <laughs> those models not. look really cool. Uh, the crew, I can take or leave a crew, sorry, Jay, but the, the <laughs> knight looks really cool. And you know what? There's also probably some room for getting him into the old world as well. Um, He'd make a good vampire model. You would make a good vampire model, yeah. Do a head swap or a, or an empire knight, maybe. Have that pickaxe, change it for a gun and have a rifle slung over his shoulder or something. Ooh, yeah, good show. That'd be pretty cool. So yeah, so really cool stuff. Now while we're on the kind of the vibe of events, Warhammer Community shared some details about the the grand narrative. So this was in Atlanta last year, and I think we chatted about it briefly, um, very very briefly, because I think we were under NDA at the time, but. Um, yeah, every year now in Atlanta in November they do a massive um, narrative event. This is at the same time as like the the World Championships where all the you know top dogs who've won golden tickets come and fight it out. But they also have a big like I say narrative game, narrative event with three hundred different commanders fighting across different battlefields. You've got people dressed up in costume playing different characters, and the events that happen during the games does kind of affect the ongoing lore of 40k and i just want to say i want to do one of these one day it is it looks so so good it'll be excellent absolutely excellent i i, I hope they do something like this over here unfortunately i don't think they will i mean obviously we've got something like this at a smaller scale haven't we with the with the kind of um narrative events at warhammer world but i think for this kind of thing you need an entire hotel to run it don't you mm. we're talking like 300 players tickets are on sale if you are free, the 22nd to the 24th of November, and have $300 spare, plus your flights, plus your hotel. <laughs> um, a bit of a bucket list one. I'd, I'd love to do it one day, because I think that'd be amazing. Unfortunately, it's a bit of a long commute for us, isn't it? it you know is. what I'd like to see as well? Them do something like this for Age of Sigma. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be really good. Oh, Age of Sigma would be perfect for it. Yeah, There's so much they could do with Age of Sigma, with like realm gates and stuff. Yeah, it'd be so good. So hopefully they do something like that in the future. But this is they've been doing it a couple of years now, the grand narrative, and I, I think they're just planning on going bigger and better each year on, which is cool. Um, and finally, we've got a little bit of interesting news as well. So Golden Demon this year, it's going to be in Adepticon in the states, twentieth to twenty fourth of March. And then at uh, Spiel Essen, Germany, the big board game expo, the 3rd to the 6th of October, there will not be a Warhammer Fest this year. Ooh. Now, I did speculate that on the last podcast, I think, Dave, but um, it turns out my suspicions were correct. And um, yeah, we're not getting a Warhammer Fest. What do we think? Hmm. I'm disappointed. 
Uh, I'm disappointed it's not been replaced. You know, if the okay, the the you know Warhammer Fest had its issues, but we've had something, haven't we? Apart from the COVID years, like a big event every year, um, and it seems a shame that they've not replaced it with something else. Um, yeah, good, good, really. Yeah, I think the shame the fest was really good, and but uh, when it had you know the studio attendance, you know, how much time have we spent chatting with Ray? looking at new scenery pieces and stuff or looking at you know chatting with the heavy metal painters or looking at concepts and designs and stuff and i think since the covid years there's been a shift to not have those people interacting with the community and obviously that was the big draw of the fest wasn't it yeah last year kind of merged into it wasn't it had a bit of an identity crisis it wasn't sure if it wanted to be a convention like that or a tournament Mm. and it kind of sat in this weird place below them the people not interested in the tournaments were more interested in the reveals and stuff, but then that was in an auditorium with a limited capacity. It just, I don't know. It it does seem a shame because I think with some refining, they could make it really good. And, and I guess realize that the appeal for people is to see those new reveals, see, you know, the designers and stuff and have that as the center stage and Mm. you run a tournament with it, but have that separately. If you want to do a big, like, you know, 300 person tournament in there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so so it's a shame, but um, I I'd, I'd quite be, I'd be quite tempted to go to um Essen as well. I mean, it's been another bucket list item. It's kind of, uh, I guess the UK Games Expo's big brother, isn't it? Yeah. Is that Munich? That one? It's in Essen. Oh, the giveaway in the name, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're thinking of um, you're thinking oh. of the Munich convention, Dave. Seriously, me. The Munich Tiddlywinks convention, yeah. which is almost as big. But Gordon um, Dean is there this year. It's been a day. You know what? As I said it, I was like, you're gonna get mocked in a second for saying that. <laughs> Why are you saying it? Uh, but yeah, stop for a second anyway. and let your brain catch up. <laughs> so on that bombshell, Dave, I think we've got a, a super special guest. We do, yes. So grab a fresh brew and uh, join us for an interview with Mr. Duncan Rhodes. We'll be right back. So we are joined once again by a very, very special guest, Mr. Duncan Rhodes. Duncan, how are you doing? Hello. Oh, you folks are you're always too kind to me. I'm very well, thank you. I'm nice and cosy. It's raining outside and, you know, it always makes you feel cosy, right? It yeah, really so I, does. Yeah, I've got a cup of tea. I've got a blanket. I'm very happy. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I think it's, it's going to be a little while since I last chatted to you. In fact, I think it was the launch of uh, Wave 2 of Two Thin Coats last time we were uh, on the internets Ooh. with you. Oh, it may have been. Yeah. Crikey, time flies, doesn't it? Does indeed. But, but well, we've got an exciting reason for having you on because you are just about to launch uh, Wave Three of the Toothing Coats Paints range. Yes, yes, the the range expands once again. Uh, once more, I find myself shocked that this uh, that my strange path in life has led me to this point. But yes, we are expanding <laughs> the range. It's um it's gone down well. People want more, so we're doing more. Sixty that's colours. Yeah. That's that. I mean, that's that's what 180 paints in the range. Then after that. That's right. Plus, we do have the ones that we did as stretch goals, which are all like effects paints and things, you know, blood and stuff like that. So it's kind of more than 180, really, if you count those. But yeah, but yeah, 180 acrylics, different kinds and washes and, and metallics and, and stuff. 
Very exciting. <laughs> Crazy, what's, man. I guess what's been the general response to Tooth and Coat so far? I mean, I think we, when we last chatted to you, it was like everything had gone kind of like way beyond expectations in the last mm. year. Has that kind of continued then? It, it has. Yeah, it has. What's been really cool is that we've been encountering people who have been saying that by using them, you know, like, like they'd see them as colours and stuff. When they started using them, suddenly they found painting to become much easier because they could make the paint do what they wanted it to do with less fuss. You know, it would cover better, mm. it would go where they want, they were able to control it better. And um, this was great because when we were setting it all up in the first place and choosing what bases and doing the adjustments for the original ones, um, we wanted to make it high quality so that we could bridge gaps that we'd seen before when using other paints, the things that we found mm. difficult to handle. And people have been saying to us this year, um, not in the same words, but they identified that and that it had given them this um, easier step into the hobby, so to speak. And yeah. that's been great. That's been really, really good. That's really cool. Um, so I guess, why was this the right time to kind of expand the range then? Was there any like gaps that you had in the in the colours that you had kind of currently? Oh, well, it'd been a, a year since the last one. And uh, we've been really starting to develop this ever since the last one came out um, because it had gone so well. And we knew there were other colours that would be great additions to the range. And there were some particular ones, like the three little gaps and things. Like there were some colour washes that we wanted to add in there all along. They couldn't quite fit in previous ones. But there were other things that we knew were things that people wanted because they told us when we were developing, you know, even before Wave 2 came out, after it came out, people were mentioning there was things that they struggled with. And so we knew we could address such things with particular colours. Um, so that was really like kind of the, the, the genesis of it. And and it came to about this point here. Well, as I say, it's been about a year since the previous one. So it seems like a good time, right? And uh, things, are, things are ready. Things were going well. And uh, we thought, all right, let's do it now. Amazing. So, was there any, I guess, any challenges in making the, I guess, the, it must be hard kind of getting it down to the 60 additional paints that you want to do? Well, yes. Yes, it is. Um, because, I mean, the, well, the first, the first wave was very much, um, uh, a diluted range of just the core things that you had to have to get things painted, right? It's like it's, mm -hmm. um, it's really 60 of the most common colors that we use when we're painting all kinds and stuff. And I'm talking mm. about games from all sorts of different types, but it was missing things like military greens and, you know, like more maroons and royal blues and things like that. So yeah. we knew in wave two, we always had that in mind that those were colors we were going to add to flesh things out. So what we've got is a really solid bedrock now. And wave three were the ones that we could then start having fun on top of that with like some slightly more unusual things. Um, so, there were lots of colours that we knew, you know, like early on, it wouldn't be like a great demand. But now it's like, yeah, we can provide that really cool thing. So we, it's, you know, it's giving more options. Right. So yeah. there's there are so many colours you could do, like so many. Um, so once again, we've kind of like picked out the particular ones that we knew people wanted, put those in and then fleshed it out with other ones that we liked ourselves. Amazing. So I guess on, I guess on the Kickstarter front, when does it all kick off? When's the uh, the big launch? Kickstarter goes live on February the 20th of this month. Mm. That's February. So, yeah, not very long now at the time we're recording this. Um, and mm. uh, the the exact time is still to be confirmed. But, yes, February the 20th is when it goes live. Amazing. I'm guessing it'll be yeah, shouted across the Internet when it does go live. on that. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, we're <laughs> going to be promoting as much as we can. Oh, yeah. it's um, It's going to be going on for two weeks, this one. Um, so that means it's going to be ending the 5th of March. So, you know, bear that in mind, everybody. And there will be, um, you know, if you go in early, 
there is cheaper like discounted ones so yeah so early, oh, you want to you want to get in there soon uh, i think it's uh, it's two days um if you back it the first two days then you get it cheaper okay so, cool yeah. well, do people have an option of getting waves one and two through the kickstarter as well or is it just gonna be kind of wave three standalone they are indeed both going to be available. Um, the tag told me they're going to be included as bolt-ons, and you'll also be able to get hold of the racks for them as well. So Amazing. if anyone missed out on previous waves, you will be able to get those ones as well. well that's very cool. So I guess the big question is, what is in Wave 3, Duncan? What is in Wave 3? Oh, many colours. Many, many colours. Um, so we've got an addition of brights to the range. So in Wave 2, we had a number of colours that we added in because we wanted to make sure we had some really nice bright popping colours. And because we move everything around a triad-style system, you know, for each kind of colour, we provide three tones for it. Um, we wanted to have the option of having some fun extra bright colours in there. And so in Wave 2, we added these in. And they turned out to be really popular. People were loving them, especially when we're at shows in person. People really wanted those colours. So we thought, in this wave, all right, we'll add some more. So we've got some really bright ones there. We've got things like a nice bright pink. We've got a sort of sickly green. We've got a really pale skin colour. That's really nice and light. We've got a um, very, very light blue. So like a nice range of them. So there's six of those. Then when we go into the regular acrylics, we have now 12 new um, triads. And these are very much what people expect of us already. So once again, they're very high quality paints they they very smooth um they dry very smoothly on a miniature they cover very well um they're very easy to control and uh yeah covering a whole variety of tones so we got like a new red in there for example which is more of a kind of wine red mm. um we've got a sort of fiery orangey kind of color um that was actually inspired by um some artwork on a box game cover which was like oh that's cool color. Oh, right, that. okay. <laughs> yeah um, we've got a nice set of blues in there very sort of vibranty um popping kind of sky blue style colors we've got um rotten looking greens you know sort of very um zombie-ish style colors we've got um two sets of purples one's very um very rich purple whereas the other one's more of kind of like a grayish sort of tone so it's all things like this you know really like mm. adding more options in there um and uh yeah i think there's some really cool ones that people are going to have fun with and we definitely had fun naming them um now beyond these we have the metallics and Ooh. yeah now this is this is why i get excited because actually i saw i think these were only revealed <laughs> at the time of recording today over on mm -hmm. transatlantis's um facebook page and i was like mm -hmm. i never knew i wanted these metallics but i really <laughs> want these metallics so um unexpectedly right from when wave one came out um People really, really, really liked our metallics. And this is down to the genius of the chemists working on it. Um, in development, we told them what sort of colours we wanted. We had examples and things. And then they started presenting us with samples and we fine-tuned it. Um, but they created such an amazing base for it that it meant that the metallic colour was really strong, really shiny. And like all the other paints in the range, covers really well mm. and dries really smoothly. And so when Wave 2 came along, we added some more metallics and people just love them. So, all right, we'll add some more. So in this wave, we've actually got quite a lot. Um, I believe we've got 12. Yeah, 12. So this has six of them that are like your um, like typical metallics. So, for example, there's a new tone of gold in there. Um, there's a really, really dark metal. Um, so nice. like a near black silver. Um, we've got a darker bronze in there, a darker brass. We've got a sort of blue steel, you know, like a shiny steel color. Um, but then we've got six more that are coloured metallics. Now, um, when I was mentioning earlier how there are certain colours that we know people really struggle with and really want, some of these are very much with that kind of thing in mind. Mm. Um, because, uh, for example, we've got one called Omega Blue. Um, 
this one's really good if you're looking to paint metallic turquoise um, oh, yes. on large areas, right? So this is a this is a hurdle that I know has been in the hobby for a lot of people for a long time, and this is the sort of thing that we want to address and give people a good option for it. So yeah, when it comes to the metallics, we've got a red, a turquoise, we've got a blue, we've got green, we've got a um, an orange color, and we've got purple as well. These these uh, metallics uh, really excite me. I, I, mm. The original GW paints, I think, were done by Coupe d'Oise. There were some really nice metallics there, and they just kind of mm. remind me of those. Mm-hmm. And also, certain Traitor Legions, I think, could be a lot easier to paint with those new metallics. Well, I couldn't comment on that. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Traitor Legions, I, I'm thinking of a Stormhost, Matt. I'm thinking of Stormhost mm, with that, yeah. that turquoise. I've, 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 you know, played around with turquoise Stormcast before, but mm. that um, metallic turquoise, that could be the answer to a problem I didn't know I had. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Stormhost for me. Well, these are these, they're all they're lovely colours, and I've had a lot of fun having a go with them and experimenting, and you know, like doing samples and things. And uh, I actually um, went, oh, when was it? Late summer. Um, that's when we got our our dark metal one. So death metal is what it's called. <laughs> this is this is the near black silver. And um, I was getting excited about old world on the horizon. And I was like, oh, mm. I could do some chaos warriors. They're the perfect thing to test this on. So there I was painting chaos warriors with this colour, and I'm really happy with it. I think it looks great. Oh, like, this awesome. is wicked. This is really cool. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So that's like the big, um, a big cool thing in there. But also, we've got some more washers in here. So these are ones that we felt were missing that we want to fill things out with. Um, so highlights here are a nice bright yellow. Um, we've got a really lovely turquoise, and one that I really like is a smoky grey wash. Um, now this one is great if you're doing um, white armor for example. So uh, this is often a colour that people find intimidating or struggle with. And what I wanted to be able to do was have a really easy way of painting stuff like Stormtroopers, for example, right, or clones, or you know, that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. And um, this wash works brilliantly for that sort of thing. But then, you know, by extension, anything that you wanted to paint with a clean white, it works really well for. So like angelic wings, for example. Mm. Um, so rather than having to dilute a black wash, it just goes on in one go and it doesn't tone it down too much. So yeah, lots and lots of things, lots of cool additions. Um, now, with the washers, interestingly, we've got four in this one, um, which is a bit different from how we normally do things in threes. But that's because we also wanted to finally introduce a great gloss varnish and a matte varnish. Yeah. Now, oh, the, yeah. Now, matte varnish in particular is a bit of a, um, a sticking point for me uh, because I hate when paints dry shiny. Um, so uh, and, and there's like a certain finish I really like and it irritates me when a model doesn't have it so um for many years i would go on quests trying to find the ideal varnishes and i've been trying them from all kinds of different companies so this way we're able to go right i literally want it to do this and then these genius chemists make these things happen so yeah nice. yeah lots of uh, lots of exciting stuff have you played with the varnishes over transfers yet does it map them down well it uh, it does indeed so it, it depends on how much you dilute it obviously with water I, I do recommend doing that to make sure you don't get brush marks showing up so much um so i'd approach it with two coats in mind but yes whatever you put it over it does start toning it back down to the finish when we say matte we don't mean like a super dead matte um it's got a little bit of a satin in it to make sure it doesn't dull the paints too much because if you go totally matte then it takes away all the life from the model so it's yeah it, it's a very dull satin, I suppose, is a way to describe it. Uh, but people will see what I mean. And basically, the sort of finish of what you get from a regular acrylic paint, that's yeah. the general sort of thing. 
Oh, awesome. And and very, very door satin to be a less exciting paint name as well, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess there's a lot of new paints added. There's lots of exciting stuff. What's your favourite paint or favourite paint if you can't pick any from the um from the from the new wave three? Oh, that's a tough question. Um so I really like death metal because um I was really happy with the result it gave on these Chaos Warriors, and it's kind of how I always envision them in my mind, right? So I was like, yes, I've now got this colour for it. Um, but I'm also really excited about Omega Blue in particular. So this is our turquoise one, uh, the turquoise metallic. I think um, people are going to really enjoy um, options coming from that. Um, so that's really cool. So these things stand out to me. Um, also, there's... Um, the uh the red try that we brought in um and for a red i believe it is it, it's like the the deeper wine red and this is a color mm. i just think is really beautiful and it's great for stuff like cloaks and things and i've recently been using it on banners um so i've been doing a bretonian banner and the color for it is like half blue half red but in the background what i wanted is like deeper versions of those colors reversed so okay. the shield stands out yeah but you still get the same sort of heroic colors in the background and I end up using a darker blue from the um from wave two um and a for a red from this one and it's a really nice lovely wine color it's very rich perhaps not appropriate to peasants but whatever it's on now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be too expensive for, for peasants that far <laughs> that's right that's cool so i guess does this kind of round out or complete the two thin coats range or would you like to see more in the future after this wave well, we do have other ideas for things that we'd like to do. Um, so these are things I'm probably not allowed to talk about because uh, <laughs> it's not just up to me. You know, this, uh, we're obviously doing this with Translanders Games, who are absolutely fantastic with supporting all of my whims and desires when it comes to this <laughs> sort of thing. Um, and to, collectively, we've got lots of ideas of things that we can yet add. So, you know, watch this space. Um, and we're always open to people if they like miss certain things or they struggle with certain things, they're always welcome to let us know. And this is things that we absolutely consider because a lot of these, you know, there are colors in here that directly do come from feedback that people gave us. Even in wave two, the glazers came in because people specifically were saying that they really missed these kinds of paints and they wish that they were available. So, all right, well, we can do that. Um, mm. So yeah, we definitely have our ears open and I encourage people to let us know what they like. Amazing, very excited. Well, uh, for the glazers, I I have missed the, the the previous GW glazers were amazing, and then they disappeared mm. at the event in contrast. And your colours are very very similar to those. Well, once again, I couldn't comment. <laughs> <laughs> but well, yeah, we, really really nice, aren't they? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know the 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 rule of this sort of stuff, right? Give people what they want, and um, if that's what people want, that's that's what we'll do, right? We just need a good like Charidon granite alternative now. <laughs> well. Well, well, well. Uh, <laughs> I would advise you to look at the colour Eidolon Grey. Ooh. I believe it is. Um, and this is uh, so. Yeah, the uh, that was a colour that again we had people um, saying that they really liked and they missed having a tone like that. So um, we looked to do a colour like it. So yeah, Eidolon Grey. That's our mid um, sort of dirty grey colour that we've got. Check that one out. Amazing, cool. So, uh, what's the? Have you got an expected release date for this? Or well, I guess, like most Kickstarters, a lot of this is kind of up in the air a little bit this early out. Yeah, it's um, it, when it comes to Kickstarter, things can happen 
Um, so it's not a pre-order. It's very much a crowdfunded thing. So the funds from this are what are then used to actually create the product. Um, now, with Wave 1, um, there was definitely delays because all kinds of crazy things happened that mm. were far out of Tag's control. Um, and so they literally moved heaven and earth to get things going and to navigate all the complexities of the world during all the COVID stuff um, and all the events that are surrounding that. Um, but when it came to Wave 2, uh, the whole system was set up and that one actually was delivered before we expected it to be delivered so um as it stands we expect it's going to be like that now we are aiming for no later than september for all the paints to be in everyone's hands but as i say it is kickstarter and you don't know what could happen but yeah wave two as i say was delivered early and that had a very similar time frame for it arriving uh, in people's hands Amazing, very exciting. So I guess in non uh thing coach related news, what what hobby have you been up to then, Duncan? Oh boy. Oh <laughs> it's a uh, good times for Duncan. Um so uh the old world came back out recently. Yeah. Um which is something that I uh, I can remember being in painting seminars in Adepticon, people asking me, you know, that this was early days of Age of Sigmar and the people who missed it. And I remember saying to them, I guarantee you it's going to reappear in some form or another, probably via Forge World, maybe in 10 years time. Uh, turned out to be less than that, but here it is. <laughs> and it's effectively done by Forge World. And it makes me very happy because Warhammer Fantasy was always my favorite game back in the day. Um, yeah. I was at Workshop. I loved my Bretonians, but there are lots and lots of other armies in that world that I really like. And I always enjoyed exploring it. So, it's back, and I've leapt in with both feet, and I've been painting lots of New Bretonians. Um, I played my first game of it this week, and what I really liked was that it feels like 6th edition. It doesn't feel like yes at all. Yeah, it, it's definitely a course correction from what I was witnessing, what potentially could have been ninth edition. I remember seeing them playtesting it before they you know, switched to Age of Sigmar mm-hmm. instead. Um, and I think that's a good idea, because I think there were problems with 8th that... Um, we're making it difficult for people to get into it, which I think this addresses. Um, and it definitely has that vibe of um, allowing you to explore it in your own way, judging by the alternate army lists that have appeared inside the Bretonian and the Tomb King books. Um, yeah, I mean, that like, yeah. seems a bit of a kind of a, a win for, for narrative gamers like us, I guess. Yeah, uh, where... yeah. You know, Absolutely. They're not necessarily like stronger lists. They're, they're just different. It's not like the like the uh, the errantry crusade. I'm sure you've probably got your eye on then. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, actually, I, I think I'm exploring all of them. But oh yeah, um, the border princes one I find fascinating because I love the idea of these brigands because it's like mercenaries. Mm. Um, and uh, I'd love to have some mercenaries in my army, but Bretonians traditionally wouldn't have mercenaries. So I'm interested. In, you know, it's it's too dishonourable, right, to pay someone else to fight your battles. Exactly. Um, but so this is, right, this is the sort of thing I really love about Warhammer. My my particular um, dukedom I'm painting my army for is Carcassonne. And in Carcassonne, there's loads of orcs in the hills and they attack all the peasants and their herds of sheep. But they can't dispatch the forces to deal with this because there's too many of them, right? So instead they hire mercenaries. But a Bretonian doesn't hire a mercenary. So instead they're hiring shepherds. And what they do is, <laughs> yeah, they give, this is brilliant law. It's all in there. It's all in the old roleplay books and stuff. They give the, the shepherds one sheep and um, some regular pay. And the lords tend to accidentally drop purses of gold in front of their, their leaders. 
and uh, have them hunt their orcs and kill them. So I'm like, oh, sweet. OK, I can have a unit of mercenaries in my army now with one sheep to look after. And <laughs> but the old world's got that stuff in it. So I'm having a great time exploring it all again. It's uh, it's really, really fun. And I don't think I'm the only one. There seems to be a lot of people out there having a great time with it, too. Yeah, well, well Andy um, from the team was at the, the launch event at Warhammer World. I think there was mm. hours long queues just to get in, let alone mm. around. So I think a lot of people have been excited about the old world. And, and, yeah. and I guess I've been I've been working on some Bretonians as well. Um, <gasps> Good choice. May, may, may have borrowed your blue and red guys. <laughs> Uh, and just the, the nostalgia from building some of those old metal models like the Grail Knights and mm. the um the 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 uh, kind of squires and stuff like that. Mm. I don't know. It's just uh, don't get me wrong. Metal plastic combi models are a pain to build, but it took me back yeah. to my youth building those models back in the day. Yeah, there's some charm about it, isn't there? Yeah. So are there yeah, any? Just... Um, so we've got the, the Tomb Kings and the Bretonians out, and we've got the Orcs coming next. Are there any other forces that you're kind of excited to pick up and paint? I'd really like to do a High Elf army based on Lothan and have yeah. it with multiple units of Sea Guard instead of having archers and spearmen. Um, and I think that'd be a bit of a challenging army to play because it's even more elite than a regular High Elf army. But I really like the Sea Guard models and I love the colour palette they have them with those sea greens and the shields mm. and the, the red serpent dragon coming out of the water. I think that's really cool. So that's one army that definitely stands <laughs> out to me. I, def- I want to do a Chaos Warrior army using the new Old World stuff. Oh, not the Old World, the um, Age of Sigma stuff, sorry. Yes. Um, because they are by and large the same design. And with the Chaos Warriors, it's easy to swap their shields for the old star shields. And then they suddenly look like the old star Chaos Warriors, but more dynamic. Um, so I really like that. I've seen a lot of people putting Cruel Boys on square bases and using them as Orcs and Goblins. And I actually really like that, too. Yeah, um, they've got a bit of a retro vibe to them, haven't they? They do. They look like the old Orcs from like 5th edition. And I quite like that aesthetic as opposed to the um, the more classic Orc that appeared in, um, you know, 6th, 7th, 8th edition. Yeah. Um, so for the first time ever, I could be tempted by that. Um, I like the thought of a Tomb King army with loads of Tomb Guards. You know, there are loads. Weirdly, yeah. even um, if they did made toward with Chaos Dwarves, I could be tempted to buy Chaos Dwarves, and I never thought I'd find myself thinking that. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it's old school Chaos Dwarf list with Hobgoblins yeah. and the like as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just loads of options. Um, it's 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 why one of the reasons I liked the game is because I really enjoyed the lore of it, and I felt like there were lots of armies that I could collect. And whilst there were some that are certainly my favourites, there were definitely others to explore. So, um, yeah, I think as time goes on, I'm going to end up spending a lot of money on all. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have that stuff discount to rely upon anymore. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Would you would you ever do any events for Old World? You're more of a, a painter than a gamer. I am more of a painter than a gamer, but um, I would love to do a doubles tournament. Um, mm. I used to do doubles for Warhammer um, back when I was, you know, still working in the studio. And I turn up with my mates who all do a gaming group together. We were playing um, like our, our campaigns. We do a campaign over a year and we would go and do doubles events. And after the battle, we'd roll the results on our characters and take those effects back to our campaign afterwards. Oh, that's um, really cool. And we had so much fun at those. It was great. It was really nice all going down together and, you know, all having a, a coffee in the morning and a bacon roll and doing our games and catching up after each one to say what happened. But I really enjoy playing the game with a friend on my side. Um, it's uh, There's something about... So I think when you when you play a game of any game, you have a bit of a social contract established with the person you're against and people play the game with different things in mind. And none of these are particularly more right or wrong than others. But me, for example, I'm very much casual and narrative. 
but other people are much more into competitive spheres and they prefer having a game against somebody who's competitive whereas i prefer having a game against someone who's more narrative right so if you've got a friend there you still got someone who you're on the same level with involved in the game and i find that's a bit of a sort of um a post pillar to lean on you know what i mean yeah um, yeah 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 so uh i think that's why i enjoy it um but that said, you know, I don't mean like having falling outs with the opponents or anything like that, but <laughs> it's, um, it's, I, I like that experience of having the friend there and being a group together chatting with the, the other team. And it's, um, it's just fun being in a team as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, just, I, I, I really, them. yeah. What, what the army combinations are going to go for beforehand, that sort of stuff. I think some of the most fun I've had in, in tournaments have been in, in doubles. I know I've had a, a really funny tournament with Andy, with yourself, Matt, mm. on a couple of occasions. In fact, Matt took me along to my first ever Warhammer tournament in a doubles. It was Age of Sigma, wasn't it, Matt? Yeah, um, you were really mm-hmm. nervous as well. You've not been well I was before. super nervous, yeah. Now, <laughs> I'd be fine going along on my own, and I've, I've mm. done tournaments on my own. But back then, um, Matt kindly took me under his wing, and we had a great two days at, at Warhammer World. It was it was a lot of fun. Mm. Uh, but luckily... We, I mean, I definitely avoid those competitive players by not being that competitive. So I soon find myself in the bottom <laughs> table. But to be honest, I, I always call upon him. One of one of the best games I've ever had at a tournament was on the bottom table at the start of day two. Uh, oh yeah, my yeah, sides yeah. were hurting from laughing so much. So and there's there's so, something for everybody, isn't there? Oh yeah, I had a very similar experience um, about a, well a year and a year and a half ago maybe. I went to the London Grand Tournament to play um, a Song of Ice and Fire. And I rocked it with my Lannisters and I got thrashed because the rules had updated and I hadn't caught on to that. So I turned up and things have changed and uh, the Lannisters work by attacking the enemy morale and everyone was prepared for that. So all my tricks <laughs> and bribery wasn't working. So I ended up on the last table in the last game and I was playing against this chap from Spain um, who had to fly back that evening and was at work the next day. <laughs> and he had a Baratheon army that he'd themed as if they were fighting Lannisters. So they're all like dead Lannisters. OK, cool. We had the most fun game of that that game I've ever had. It was amazing. I hope he's listening to this podcast because it was so <laughs> it was so much fun. And at the very end of the game, we both had one figure left, duking it out in the middle of the board, <laughs> and it it was so close because his army worked by essentially sacrificing his own troops to do stuff to mine. So his army was dying at about the same speed that mine was. <laughs> it was really really good. But those moments are you know they're really special, aren't they? And that's well, why that's why I go to an event yeah. like that to get that sort of game. Absolutely. So I guess if anyone's been living in a cave the last few years, um, you have recently had your own kind of like I guess, painting channel and website, the uh, Duncan Rhodes Painting mm-hmm. Academy. Mm-hmm. Like, how how is that going? And kind of what's on the future for that? Oh, it's going really well. Um, so yes, um, I left Games Workshop about four years ago along with uh, my good friend Roger, who uh, I've been working at Games Workshop with for a long, long time, working on the videos. Um, he very much created the concept of painting tutorial videos that Workshop was doing and got me in as his presenter. And the two of us had been, you know, we got very similar ideas about what this stuff can be used for. We've been together ever since. And yeah, we left together uh, to set up the academy and um, it's just kept on growing and um it's been quite remarkable really because it's terrifying leaving a company like workshop when you're basically leaving your career there to go and do something by yourself um and we didn't know if it was going to work and if people were going to support us but they really did and um 
it's been great. We've had so much fun. It's so nice going our own way, being able to cover everything that um, is out there and be able to respond to what people want and go for all sorts of niche games as well as the mainstream games, cover interesting techniques, showing new stuff and introducing people to new ideas and doing all of it in a way to try and make it accessible uh, to people. So anyone coming into the hobby can learn anything. Um, you know, If they want to learn it, we'll provide them with all the information, all the tricks and things and try and make it um, as clear and as concise as possible for that purpose. Um, so the the paints very much came along as a bit of a surprise part way through when we got approached by Transatlantis Games. Um, but that's grown and exploded and gone really well. So now we've started, um, well, we added a, a new staff member just in the last few months, um, a chap called Joe, who used to work with a Games Workshop. He um, the, the stars aligned and he was able to join us. And he's been able to really improve um, the coordination of running things. And I'm talking about in all aspects from the doing the products like the paints and, and beyond, but also with our social media. So we can definitely see a real opportunity to have more people to be able to allow us to do more stuff like this. So, yeah, things are looking really exciting for this year. I think we've got some really cool stuff that will surprise people. And I think when we look back at the end of the year, what we've we've done, I think we're going to feel really proud of ourselves of, you know, growing this um, uh, growing this service, essentially, of helping people enjoy their hobby and engage with it more. Excellent. I know I'm actually currently um, following a, a painting academy tutorial myself. Ooh, uh, which one? I've, I've been um, I've started um, an orc army and I want to do goths, mm -hmm. the traditional sort of mm. black armor. So. I'm watching your your goth kind of tutorial, but at the same time, I'm watching a classic GW Duncan with <laughs> the orc skin because yeah. I wanted to do it a slight slightly brighter. Uh -huh. But to put another flip on that, I'm using the two thin coats variants of those colours from the classic. <laughs> that, so it's all it's all it's all you in in some shape or form. But yeah, it's um, mm. the free combined are really working for me at the moment. So yeah, if anybody <laughs> hasn't checked out your videos, you def definitely need to. That's awesome. I suppose that actually does lead me on to a point. Um, so something people ask us often. Um, so um, obviously we use our paints in the painting videos um, and we often, we do it because we really like them to begin with. Right. And obviously, you know, we're proud of the paints. We want to use them, we want to show them and we want to um, show people how good they are. So and what advantages they get out of using them. Um, and uh, we realize, though, that not everyone's going to want to use our paints. So we do provide um translation documents which are on our website so you can see alternative colors from other manufacturers mm -hmm. that are really similar so you can use them if instead you want to and yeah. um we earlier early days we were like well we shouldn't just use our own stuff right we should still use some other ones and mix them in and things and just try and um make it so it's not only our paints um and then we saw somebody saying online that they found it really weird that we weren't using our paints because like that well obviously it means that we don't believe in them and they're not very good and we we're like oh we, we kind of have to use them now. It's it's one of those you're caught you're caught in kind of yeah. You don't want to seem like you're right. pushing yourselves too much and making it exclusive, yeah. but yeah. then equally, you know, you want to be accessible for people who have only got citadel paints or army paints exactly. or whatever. So exactly. um, yeah. yeah, you kind of there's no right answer, is there? Exactly, but you, but I hope people pick that up in our videos because I'll say things like, right, what we want now is a good strong red. So I'm going to be using this one, but you know, like it, we have this document which will allow people to translate that. So you know, they can look at Sanguine Scarlet and go, okay, well if I use Mephiston Red, it's a very similar color, and then we can follow along. And really, the the thing that's important um, 
beyond just the paint that's being used is the actual technique of what I'm doing with it. Mm-hmm. And our videos like to concentrate on that sort of thing because mm-hmm. it's um, arguably more important. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, 90% of the paints I use now are two thin coats just because uh, honestly they're so good. And like you said earlier, the metallics are just superb. Um, <laughs> but I, I guess that the thing from the, the, the painting kind of videos, like you say, it's, it's the technique and how you do it. And mm. you can then translate that to, to other models that aren't necessarily what you're showing in the video. It's more so. Oh, yeah. You unlock that skill and you're like, oh, okay, I can apply that in another way somewhere else now. Yeah, yeah. There's like a, 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 a thing that you've got to get in your mind when you're learning miniature painting. And it's like it's the big hurdle of understanding what to do, really. It's cracking the feel of what the paint should be like when you're preparing it. And then understanding how much of that paint needs to be on your brush and how it needs to be in the brush, right? And if you can get your head around those concepts, all of a sudden all the doors start opening to you. Now, our paints are designed to, with that in mind, of help making it easier to find that point, right? It's like when you're learning to drive, it's finding the biting point on, mm. your, on your clutch, right? So our paints are designed to help with that. But that said, it's still possible with all other paints. I mean, I was doing it with Games Workshop paints for years and years and when I was working there, right? And even when I was growing up. And so... Once you know what you're looking for, you can find that with um, other manufacturers. So um, so that's really the kind of the key thing that I'd encourage somebody starting to, to take a look at. Amazing. Well, thank you ever so much for coming on and talking about the paint range. Good luck for the Kickstarter. I'm sure it will be, you know, meet all its targets by about half an hour in like usual on the last one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope so. Oh, boy. Oh, like I tell you, when... Like the first one, even the second one, when they were launching, it's terrifying because you don't know how it's going to do. Um, and it's easy to look back in hindsight and go, well, of course, it was always going to be successful, but um, you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Right. So, yeah, um, yeah it's I, I suppose um, I, I have to give a big thank you to everybody who's followed my crazy life story the last <laughs> 10 years or so, because goodness me, I never thought I'd be here doing what I love for a living like this. Um, but the other people who follow us allow us to do it. And um We've tried really hard to make these paints as good as they possibly can be um, because we want to honour that faith people have had in us this far. So um, if anyone out there chooses to back them, um, thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I really hope you enjoy using them. Amazing. Before we let you go, though, Duncan, there is a super, super important question that we've got to ask you. What's your favourite sprue? What's your favourite brew? Oh, goodness me. Well, uh, <laughs> I... It would be remiss of me not to say the Knights of the Realm. Yes. In, that is multiple sprues, though, because the horses are, are are many ones. Yeah, I can, <laughs> now I don't work for Games Workshop. I'll be like, yeah, Bretonians are my favourite things because, you know, it doesn't matter whether they sell them or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, my favourite brew, mm, it's got to be a nice cup of tea. Um, but I have become quite partial to coffee these days. I do enjoy a coffee in the morning. Um, hmm. It's tough. Sometimes a very small glass of whiskey in the evening is rather nice. <laughs> I um I know Jay won't, won't won't let this go. What what tea bag are you putting in that tea? Oh, um, Clipper. Oh oh, oh right. Yeah. Very but you didn't expect oh. that, did you? I absolutely did not. <laughs> What's yeah. Good choice, good choice. Clipper's really nice, mostly because uh, the wife and I found a big deal of them on Amazon, and we heard they were really good, so we got them, and they were brilliant. So yeah, that's what uh, that's what I like. 
Where do we have visions of you having a room of your house just like a big pallet of tea bags that you've ordered in bulk? <laughs> oh, no. No. <laughs> no. No, that's Chris Peach you're thinking about there. He's far more of a tea fan than I am. Um, <laughs> he would um, hiss and recoil uh, at the thought of me having a coffee, I'm sure. But I do enjoy a coffee as well. And one of those French presses, you know, they're very nice. Mm. So thanks again to Duncan for joining us. Uh, we are not done yet with the podcast because we do have our top three. That is coming up next. And so it is time for this week's top three. And for this week's top three, we're going to be chatting about our top three pieces of hobby advice for anybody new to Warhammer. And I'm going to start off this week um, with my third choice. Uh, And my third choice I've written here, start small. And by that, if I were new to the hobby now, um, I would think the, the, the easiest way of getting into it is with a skirmish game such as Underworld or ideally something like Warcry or Kill Team. Um, I just think Warcry and Kill Team especially um, are such good sort of beginning, you know, getting to you into, I'm getting my words out, getting you into that kind of, that system. So Kill Team for 40k, Warcry for Age of Sigma. Although they have sort of the different rule sets, they're a nice little intro into those universes. And also you don't have that many models to build and paint. I think they're a great little intro to the hobby um, and definitely, you know, what I would be pushing new people into. I don't know if you guys would agree. Yeah, I mean, it gives you a little taster, doesn't it? You yeah. Know, you don't you don't need to paint a load of models, so it's not too overfacing. I, I, the only thing that turns me against that is that Warcry and Kill Team are very different systems than the parent games. And if you, if you if you maybe wanted to play 40k or AOS, I'd be tempted to pick up one of the the the, the starter boxes that I designed as starter boxes. You know, we've got like a unit of Tyranids and a character against a unit of Terminators yeah. and a character. And again, yeah. you've got the same low model count, but you're playing the actual rules. Yeah, I, I get that, but I, I feel that Warcry and Kill Team would be a little bit easier for somebody brand new to the hobby to get into maybe i'm wrong but that's that's my opinion um but i I would definitely sort of start small don't jump in and buy a 2000 point army because you'll never pay if that's the first if it's your first time into the hobby yeah Uh, this this is the thing that we've seen on the on the old world review coverage the 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 rule book very black and white says a game's however big you want it to be and people are so obsessed with what a quote mark standard game is aren't they they are yeah you're not wrong Mm. yeah so um, for Christmas, I actually bought my nephew the, um, is it Crypto Blood Warcry starter set? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, for that exact reason, because they've got like a, a Warhammer club they do at school, which he's joined. Because um, obviously he's seen sort of like my stuff when he's come around and, and, and seen me sort of like playing games and whatever. Um and so he's he's jumped into it, and I bought him the Crypto Blood for the exact same reason. It, it's low model count. It's everything you need in that one box, with the exception of, you know, clippers and whatever. Um, and it, it's not. It, I mean, Matt is right. If you want to play Age of Sigma, then you know that's obviously the wrong box to buy. Um, but if you want to play like a miniatures game and you want to play something that's simple that gets you gets your foot into the door then i think that's um, a great little box and um later in the year sometime soon hopefully 
I'd like to do an article um, about getting into the hobby. Um, and that's kind of like one of those nice ways of doing that, really. Like you can, you know, get that Crypto Blood set and just play games with that Crypto Blood set until you know Warcry in and out, you know. Mm. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. That's a really good point. Excellent. Um, let's go to Jay next. What's your third choice, Jay? My third choice would be to get a friend involved as well. Yeah. Then you've got someone to play with, someone to talk hobby with, someone to learn with, someone to bounce ideas off. Um, and if you can't get an in real life friend, there's loads of people online who, uh, like, there's a massive community online. So talk to people online, join some Facebook groups. Yeah. Um, it's really, really cool if you're unsure about something, you know, because I mean, it, we've been doing it for a long time now. And I mean, there's even some things that we don't know. Well, lots of things we don't know. But, you know, if you're brand new to the hobby, even the most simplest of questions is not, you know, sometimes you just need, you know, how do I even build an army? What book do I need to write my list with? You know, what 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 types of paint do I need to use to 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 base my model? How do you, you know, all these really, really that we just take for granted now because we've been doing it for so long. If you're new to the hobby, you might. But so if you've got a friend, you've got a community online, ask questions, find out. That's what I would recommend. You know, there's lots of, there's lots of um, support now, isn't there? They do like the schools leagues and stuff where mm-hmm. GW will, will give them like, you know, models to paint and rules and packs and stuff so that people can get into the hobby. And they'll often send reps there to kind of like teach them how to play. I, none of that existed when we got into it, did it? Did it? No, no. That's a really good good shout there, Jake. Um, let's move on to Andy next. What's your third choice, Andy? Uh, so my third choice is uh, one that took me a very long time uh, to work out. But discover what kind of hobbyist you want to be. Um, as silly as that sounds, like, do you enjoy gaming? Do you enjoy yes. building, yes. you know, painting, yes. reading, you know? Um, I mean, like Jay said, for most part, most people enjoy most of it. You know, some people get hung up on painting and that sort of stuff. But um, for me, one of the the big things was um, events. You know, what kind of, you know, how do you want to play the game? Do you want to play it competitively? At which point, you know, probably like the GTs are your go-to events. Um, if you want to play it a bit more casually, you know, you might want to consider going to like Throne of Schools and stuff, you know, these sort of events, a bit more casual. Um, and I cannot stress this enough. If you're going to your first event or going to an event, read the event pack, um, especially when you're buying your ticket. Um, you, mean, you mean don't buy an event pack aimed at children, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> it only happened once. <laughs> and I'm small. I think I could have got away with it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's my third choice. Kind kind of work out what you want to get out of a hobby. You know, for for me personally, I'm not bothered about winning or losing. Well, I I just want to roll some dice. Um, I did the hobby challenge with my blades of corn last April, and that for me was just about killing stuff and having stuff die and getting loads of blood tie points so I could spend money in the shop. Like I need <laughs> an excuse to spend money. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, that just leaves you, Matt, with your third choice. I mean, you've thrown me here, Dave, by going the old school way of doing the top three, but I'm down with that. Yeah. Um, so I, know. I, I have, I'm I'm the same thing. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know why I've done that. 
It's, it's nostalgia for the whole team here, Dave, maybe. Well, my third choice is, is very often you'll see people new to the game asking what's the best army to collect? What's the strongest army? What, what army is going to curb stomp all the opposition, whatever the core kids say now? Um, honestly, if you're starting an army, starting a, a faction, pick an army that's visually appealing to you. You know, you're going to be painting these, you're going to be building these. If you don't like the look of the army, you're probably not going to enjoy building them and you're probably not going to want to paint them. And you know what? That might not be your thing. You might just want to play games with them. But I think that you do get a bit, a lot of a connection with the army through the models. Let's face it, at the end of the day, that's why we're playing the game, isn't it? Because it's cool models on the table. So, yeah, I'd always go to some, you know, something that talks to you, you know, Jay likes Croot, for example, but he might not like the look of a Chaos Space Marine. It's going to impact how he collects and paints and interacts with that army based on how it kind of appeals to him visually, if that makes sense. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, no, good shout. Paint what you enjoy. That's uh, the most important thing. I mean, mean, uh, uh, the rules change that often for units that, you know, a unit that's top of the pack today in six months' time most likely won't be top of the pack. But if you like the aesthetic of that model, um, you know, what that model represents, you know, say, for example, you're a big fan of the Terminator uh, armor. You know, you, you mm. like the background of Terminators. You like, you know, they're the first company veterans. They go into the the, the most thickest of fights, you know, um, storied heroes of their chapter. That's never going to change. All of that's still going to be true. The, the, the look of a Terminator is, is it's always going to look that, that sort of special. Build an army of Terminators. You know, it might be great today. Yeah. It might not be very good tomorrow, but it's always going to be cool. Yeah. And, you know, every unit tends to get its time in the sun, doesn't it? As you know, we've, we've seen that now with, with the, the mainline systems, with the, the fact that these campaign packs run for like six months. You know, you might have one that's focused on wizards and one that's focused on monsters, one that's focused on cavalry. Your unit that you like the look of will get its time to be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Unless it's Slangor, in which case, just buy them anyway, <laughs> they look cool. <laughs> uh, so round to the second choices. Uh, my second choice is a little bit similar to Jay's. I've, I've written check for local clubs and stores. Um, if you're struggling to... Um, you know, find friends or people interested in the hobby, then check for clubs in, in, in stores. I don't think there's ever been a time I've walked into a Warhammer store and I've not felt welcomed by the staff or even in general by the people just shopping in there at the time. I've had many a random conversation about projects and, you know, stuff that's coming out with people I've never met or spoken to before in my life, but we shared the same common interest. And, and equally, I mentioned earlier on when I was talking about my orcs, um, our local store, and I think potentially all uh, Warhammer stores at the moment are doing this New Year New Army until the end of March. Um, stuff like that really gives you kind of motivation to kind of do something, and then you're entering something with a load of other people with the same interests and potentially the same skill level as you. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's that's great. I mean, we're also quite lucky in our area, um, especially obviously knowing Andy and his connection to the the Purple Sparkle Unicorns, that they do a lot of kind of um, events and club nights and stuff. So we can go along and meet and play with people that are outside of our friendship groups. Um, and, you know, I know it can be daunting to to go out there and to to meet new people in these kind of settings, but 
just just go for it. I mean, like I say, you, maybe walking into a retail store is a little bit easier because, you know, you're still in that kind of comfort that you're on the high street kind of thing. Um, but uh, it's definitely worth, you know, popping into a Warhammer store, speaking to the manager, speaking to other people in there um, and looking out for other groups to help you in your sort of hobby milestones as it were yeah, you know I, I think it's safe to say that warhammer stores have been a lot more accommodating than they maybe were when we got into the hobby yeah where it was like you know mm. there'd the, 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 be metal on in the store and a long-haired surly looking regulars sometimes and i think that vibe's kind of changed to a lot more family friendly and i guess welcoming if that makes sense I think I think it's great that like if you go into to our local store, especially on a Sunday when I think uh, our local store manager Dan does his sort of newbie sort of painting tutorials, you see loads of kids there quite happily mm. sat there painting. My three-year-old's been in there and painted a Stormcast um, Vindicta. You know that's great. That that's so good. Um, so yeah, absolutely, mate. I agree. It's a lot more welcoming now. Excellent, uh, Jay. Let's move over to you and your second choice. Um, so this one is focused more on the painting side of the hobby um, and I would say um, try and paint regularly mm. um, you know as often as you can I, I find that the more you paint the more you enjoy it the better you get it's like any sort of um, uh, skill I guess um, but stick with it you're not obviously going to be the world's best painter straight away but you'll find it won't take very long at all. I mean, Stacey's testament to that, Matt, the, mm. the, you know, how, how far Stacey's come because she's stuck at it. She's done a little bit. She's kept work. And now she's, a you know, in a relatively short span of time, a, a really, really accomplished painter. Yeah. And, you, you know, if you just stick at it a little off, and even if you can only get a couple of hours in, every, you know, a week or something like that, you should start to see progress pretty quickly. Or at least I, I, I do when, when I'm painting um so that would be my my advice is is just paint paint as often as you can just even if it's only half an hour in an evening equally i I hope you don't mind me jumping on there jay if you're painting something and you're getting frustrated by it um just put it down don't carry on don't kind of regret painting that miniature oh yeah you can you can um you can just be not feeling it and then you'll end up making silly mistakes that ordinarily you wouldn't and that can leave a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah, so definitely just just put them all down and, and come back to it the next day. You can definitely get burnt out. Um, and I would say it's it's it's. I mean, it, I I personally, and it's all subjective. It's a bad idea to have lots of projects on the. You know, if your painting desk is covered in about five or six different projects, I find that quite daunting. I try yeah. to limit myself nowadays to just one or two projects, really. And I, I've done that for the last year two years and i found it's it really helps sort of focus and what you end up doing is you end up completing projects and you get a sense of you know yes i've completed that that's a thousand point army that i painted or that's a kill team unit that i painted you get a real sense of achievement and i think that can help motivate you to pick up the brush on the next project and then on the next project you know hopefully you're doing an even better job than your previous one you'll start seeing that progress and then you can start looking at models you painted you know six months ago 12 months ago and you can see a big difference between the two yeah yeah, you always learn sure. every time you come to the, the painting table i find i always learn something new a new way to handle a certain color of paint or a, a new way to you know build up a layer or something like just small things it's good yeah absolutely um andy your second choice please um so similar to jay um mine's a painting one 
And mine is set realistic painting standards. Um, when I first got into the hobby, I tried to copy the um, sort of like Games Workshop box art. And for me, I got very frustrated very quickly because I couldn't copy their standard. And when you think about it, like they're, you know, professional painters, you know, they're paid to do it. They paint for hours and hours and hours. There's no way a new hobbyist. I mean, there are exceptions, obviously. Some people are just very gifted. Um, but for me personally, like I could not copy that game search shop box art. And I think it was a <clears throat> a mini wargaming um video they did where Matt from Mini Wargaming basically started painting Necrons. And he set himself a goal of painting 2,000 points of Necrons in a month. And I think after a week and a half, he smashed it. And he smashed it because he he painted to a realistic standard. He he did his own color scheme. He did his own sort of techniques. And he just enjoyed painting again. And for me, when I'm painting now, especially when you sort of like look at, you know, your backlog and all the miniatures and whatever, for me, especially as a new hobbyist, you can do spend a week, spend two weeks doing base coats. Then you can spend a week doing washes, then do the bases. And then at some point in the future, you can even take your models to events. You can do whatever you play club games. At some point in the future, you can do highlights. You don't have to sit there and 100 percent a model before yeah. you can play a game with it yeah um and when i was um getting like properly um starting to play um funnily enough in our local games workshop way back in the day um with my necrons i started um I, i'd spray them all silver one week and so one week they were bare plastic i played a game next week we're all sprayed silver and then i would just do little details on the whole force once a week um and before i knew it you know in a couple of weeks after i had i had a fully painted force and it's because it was a bit more bite size and yeah. um especially with like um my wild eaters and my death guard prime example i do my base coats i do some washes i do the bases and then at some point in the future i can go back and layer the um corn berserkers armor with like evil sun scarlet for example you know i don't have to sit there and layer evil sun scarlet over the mephiston red that's been washed with reichland flesh shade before i can base the model and then once the model's based you know realistically as long as you're happy with it start playing games with it because then mm. you can literally just sit there one evening just 10 minutes just highlight the armor on a corn berserker, put it down, cool. Next night, do another one, you know? Yeah. And before you know it, your army's done. Um, so for me personally, with painting, set realistic standards and set bite-sized goals. You don't have to get your army built and painted on the table. You know, it's not a race. It's no. a marathon. <laughs> yeah, know? absolutely. So that, that's my advice. And also play those games between your sort of stages of painting will keep you motivated as well um so yeah good good advice there andy 
Um, finally, with our second choices, it's Matt. What's yours? So mine is on a similar theme too. To what you were mentioning earlier, Dave, about if you get burnt out, do something else. You know, if you're feeling burnt out, it could be that you put down whatever you're working on and come back to it in two weeks' time. And you don't even touch any models. You go play guitar, play the computer, go for a run. You'll find if you try and struggle through it, that's just going to affect your enjoyment for the hobby. Mm -hmm. You never want it to feel like a chore. And you know what? There's some models that you start painting and you go, that's not for me. That's absolutely fine, too. But I think yeah. when you start trying to like force it, and I think you found this on a few projects, haven't you, Dave, where yeah. it, 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 it's just not clicking and it's not for you and yeah. you actually really want to paint something else, paint something else. That's fine. You know, and this, I guess, comes back to what I think Andy opened with, you know, start start small and, and pick up, maybe just pick up a character and, and paint that up and see if you like that style before committing to buying an entire army of them. I think I think that's yeah that's it isn't it like one great example is I really at some point fancied a head knights of Sanesh army for Age of Sigma so I managed to accumulate probably nearly two thousand points worth I think um, hadn't painted a model or played with them um, and then I had a go at painting one and I was like yeah this is okay and then I had a game with them and I was like no it's not really for me like straight away I could tell that I wasn't going to enjoy using them. Uh, and because I'd not really enjoyed painting the first couple as well, it was kind of like, oh. So I very quickly offloaded that army. Yeah, I guess that ties into the, like, the previous point of like painting an army that's visually appealing. You might love the look, look of it, but it's got lots of finicky little trim and detail and stuff. And actually you go, I really like the models, but painting them is going to be a real hassle. Mm. Uh, to the point where... I guess Andy's point just then, like realistic, realistic standards of painting. But if you're not happy, I, I guess if you're unable to get that standard that you want as well, maybe go for something else with less detail or less fiddly bits or mm. something that you can do in a slap chop style or with lots of contrast paints or something. It's it's a hard one, isn't it? Because it's, it's a very much a personal choice and people have different styles that they gravitate to. And it's really go what works for you and if you're painting it and it suddenly doesn't work out that's fine you know models can be stripped you can you can sell them on to fund another army you can maybe put them in a box and come back to them in the future and actually at that point in your hobby journey you do want to paint them but don't let it i guess dishearten you from the hobby i guess is the key bit yeah absolutely absolutely uh we're round to our top choices uh and for my top choice i've written here your first model will likely be terrible, and that's fine. Um, now, for me, this is quite a personal one because for a very long time, when we when I first started playing Warhammer, I hated painting. Like I would do my utmost to not paint anything. <laughs> I I enjoyed building them. I enjoyed having games, but I have never been. You know, I got G in art. I've never been a very arty person uh, at all. Don't don't enjoy drawing and painting. Um, and I remember sort of the evenings uh, myself and Jay would sort of sit in hobby um, and I would like, you know, make a million cups of teas because I just didn't want to paint. And so I just procrastinate. Um, and I think 
I, I didn't like painting because I couldn't paint. Like whenever I tried, it never looked anything like the box, kind of similar to what um, Andy was saying earlier. Um, it didn't look like the box. It didn't look as good as Jay's. Damn you, Jay. Um, <laughs> and it's not your fault. Don't worry. Um, and um, I just, you know, it just killed the kind of like, I don't paint. I can't paint. I won't paint. That's it. Um, and then something just kind of clicked one day where I didn't really need to worry about if it didn't match the, the you know, if it didn't match Jay's quality or whoever else or the box art. Um, I just kind of kind of had to keep going and keep trying different things, keep trying different paints. And I think it was really when contrast came out that I felt that my painting could look good, you know, to, for me. Um, and then from there, I've kind of expanded out. I'm using different hobby tools. I'm using different paints. Uh, and, and like Jay said, <coughs> I'm just painting more. And that obviously has then pushed up my paint quality. But what I'm basically trying to say here is it doesn't matter what your first models look like because you've painted them. They're yours. You're only going to get better the more you kind of sink into the hobby. Um, so don't worry about it. Don't worry about what your painting's like. Don't compare it to anybody else's. It's your work. You should be proud of it. Yeah, I think your um, your like painting confidence has increased with that as well, hasn't it, Dave? Like you know, it has, yeah. You've started, you know, you, you're terrified of using transfers. You love a good transfer now. You know, edge highlights. You've been doing that recently, and it's like you you just. I suppose a lot of it is on you as a painter to push you out of the comfort zone and just try that thing you've not tried before. Sometimes it doesn't work, but then you might find, okay, this clicks and I can do that skill now. And yeah, it's all just practice really, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't be afraid, you know, be afraid to pick up different colors and try different methods and, and see what sticks basically. Um, Jay, what's your top choice? My top choice is tune in to the Spruce and Brews podcast. We'll keep you informed of all the hobby latest. That is, that is, that is terribly on brand, Jay. I, I do <laughs> other, other podcasts are available, but aren't they're, not, they're not as good. No. <laughs> Great top choice there, Jay. Um, <laughs> excellent. Um, Andy, uh, is your top choice as good as that? Uh, I wish I thought of that one. That was a good <laughs> one. Um, so my my top choice, I think, has already kind of been met. I think you mentioned it, Dave. Actually, um, when you start playing games, and let's face it, for most people, playing games is is quite a big part of a hobby. You don't have to play a standard sized game straight off the bat. Um, back when I played Warhammer Fantasy back in sort of like seventh edition going into 8th edition, whenever I was writing army lists, it was always 2,000 points. The same with 40k back in 5th edition, 1,500 points was like the standard game. So I'd always try and work out 1,500 points. Mm. And it wasn't until I started playing with my Necrons back in 5th edition where I started playing like 500-point games to start off with and then like 750-point games and then 1,000-point games. And as those games sort of like got bigger, I kind of worked out what I wanted to add to the army. Mm. Um, like using my Necrons as an example, I didn't have any combat units at all. So when it got to sort of like 1000 points, I was kind of like, oh, Canoptic Wraiths. Well, they're a combat unit. So that gives me 
you know some flexibility in you know charging units instead of being like okay well my opponents charge me i'm just gonna you know my models are just gonna fall over and die in combat because they're terrible all of a sudden I, I i knew what i wanted and it saved me a bit of money and playing those smaller games it, it, it teaches you how to play the game because you haven't got as much you know haven't got as many models on the on the table it's cheaper because bizarrely enough less is less money to spend that's maths that's maths maths. um and it's less models to build and paint as well so they're quicker to get on the table you know you get let's say 750 points and you go okay well this unit of wraiths isn't working okay they're 150 points you take that out okay well let's say 10 necron warriors with you know the gauze reapers 150 points I've only got to paint 10 models to to add them to my list. And so for me, it is don't always. You don't always have to jump in at the deep end. You can just slowly work your way. Um, Like I've seen on Facebook, I think recently um, there's a mutual friend who works at the events team called Ed and Ed's like, he's the nicest bloke in the world if if you're listening ed but he started playing old world with like 500 points of tomb kings Ooh. and that's the perfect way of doing it because you can play those 500 point games you can learn the rules you can get the foundation sorted and then that way when you do jump into 1000 point games or 1500 point games or 2000 point games you're not you're not looking through a rule book every five seconds and you're not going, okay, well, I've got to paint up 2,000 points in a month. You know, so my advice would be, especially when you're getting into the hobby, start small and build your way up. It takes time. Excellent. Matt, can you finish off this week's top three with yours? Well, I kind of thought mine would get mentioned. It hasn't, so I'm, I'm kind of happy with that. My number one piece of hobby advice, and again, this is specific to people within the uk maybe but it is go to warhammer world for inspiration mm. whenever we oh, I mean, between, yeah well but between us whenever we start like a new army or a new force or something we always tend to have a bit of a wander around the exhibition hall to kind of i guess see, see the heavy metal model see the diorama see kind of like what gets your imagination going we talked about stacy's silverneth earlier in the um in the podcast and that started we, we went to an open day i think it was we went around the museum and she saw the Sylvanus display with the Uruks fighting the Sylvanus. Oh, yeah. The, the, the yeah. Mm. yeah and, and that inspired her to start the Sylvanus. And, she, and you know, she really enjoys painting them now and it's got the whole range. And I think if you kind of tie into my first one, if you find an army that sparks your imagination in there, you're probably going to enjoy it more. It's not just limited to the events hall, though, as well. If you can try and do some events at Warhammer World. We've got the upcoming uh, Open Day. Um, in well, it started, started next month, I think it is, over the weekend. And they're always really fun as well. They've got demo games set up. They've got kind of painting tables. They've got lots of things to see and do there, which is always really fun. Mm-hmm. Andy mentioned giving it different types of events a go. So uh, me personally, I love a Throne of Schools. That's an event where... Part of your score is based on your gaming performance, but equally, the final score is made up of a combination of that 
plus favourite army votes plus favourite player votes. So you could lose every single game but do really well on those soft scores and still rank high overall, which mm-hmm. kind of, I guess, going back to your point, Dave, about kind of developing your painting and kind of getting more comfortable with that gives you a massive like push i believe you you had a best army nom didn't you dave um yeah. doubles with jay and i think that kind of massively helped your painting confidence as well yeah it um it it was i'm not gonna lie it was quite emotional to be honest because you know just a few years ago i was sat in jay's kitchen not wanting to paint anything because i hated it and i don't want to do it because i can't paint and now here I am putting my army in the cabinet. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's an amazing feeling. And, you know, not everybody's going to put an army in the cabinet. And personally, I thought there were sort of nicer armies than mine there. But, you know, it was, it was a massive achievement. And, um, yeah, it's really driven me to try and improve my painting even more. Yeah. And like at those events, you're, you're, Andy, you mentioned it earlier on in the show where for you for an event, it's not about winning or losing, it's just about rolling some dice. And at those events, you can have five games of five different armies painted in five different ways. And, you know, that can inspire you to start new armies. That can make you see your army in a different way than you maybe originally seen it. You might lose five games, but out of that, you you find out that maybe the way you've built your army isn't up to scratch or there's units that you need to change around. And, you know, I just think if you're able to to go there, and again, you know, if, obviously you're in the States, you might struggle to get over there. But if, certainly if you're in the UK within a couple of hours of Nottingham, definitely give it a go because it does get the hobby juices flowing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was our top freeze. But before we close off this section, let's switch over to our guest for this week's podcast. And that's Duncan. Duncan, can we have your top three tips for newbies to the hobby? Oh, of course. Um, so they're, they're, it's quite difficult to narrow this down to three. But um, I think um, the psychology of getting into this is actually quite important. So my first top thing, I think, would be to just pursue your favourite miniatures that you see. Like have a look around, see what's available and go with that. Don't get yourself tied up in knots about whether it'll be effective in a game or anything like that, because yeah. everything is designed to still have like... Um, a good fighting prowess on the board right so Absolutely. don't worry yeah you know, don't worry about picking the the things that aren't very good because everything's good in its own way um if you like the miniatures you'll be more emotionally engaged with them and you'll have a better time painting them you know building them and playing games and all these things with it mm. um the next thing i would say is a bit connected to that um is that you should not let yourself get discouraged by looking at what other people do um it's very easy to look on things like instagram and see loads and loads and loads of amazing painted miniatures and just think that you'll never be able to do that um but you certainly can do that because everyone starts somewhere um i'm lucky to still have my first ever miniature that i painted when i was 11 (laughs) and this thing is gold because it's so good as an example to show people where i started and point out the mistakes i was making because i didn't understand because back then no one was telling me what to do right um but if I can start there and now have a ridiculous job telling people how <laughs> how they can paint their models, um, then anyone can learn this sort of stuff. What, so. what was that first mini, if, if you don't mind me asking? It was a tactical space marine. Oh, um, excellent. Yeah, from the Warriors of the Imperium box set. So you got six space marines for five pounds, and they were <clears throat> vaguely posable. Not really posable, not on anything like the modern ones. Um, but I, I ruined this poor miniature. <laughs> I've got a... 
And similar to you, I've got a, a Terminator sat on. I don't know if he was my very, very, very first Minute Driver painted, but he's mm. he's definitely one of the first, and he is he is truly terrible. Mm. But he's sat next to some of the more stuff I've recently done, and it's it's great to see. I, I think it's really important. I mean, I, back when I was kind of trying to get into painting, it wasn't really about Instagram and stuff because those kind of things didn't really exist. It was almost, and it, it was by no fault of Matt and and Jay and and, and other friends, but I'd look at their stuff and be like. Mm. I don't look anything like theirs um, mm. and it just kind of halted my painting progress but like mm. you say luckily kind of get over that hurdle and the, yeah you know, yeah well, proven. well it's it's it happens a lot and I don't think really people talk about it so much right because you can talk about um like barriers and things to get into the hobby but I think um a, a actual genuine one um which is more prevalent than people realize is being embarrassed about putting your stuff on the table compared to everyone else's mm. um and thinking that people might you know laugh at it or something like that like i i um don't don't let that get the better no. on you because i mean honestly most people don't actually paint their armies fully when they put them on the table anyway so if you do you're already a few stages ahead of people right absolutely um, but but yeah remember that everyone starts somewhere just enjoy the process and you'll get better um now the uh the third thing um i would point out is not to um not to misunderstand the importance of preparing your paint correctly on your palette um so typically the paint out of the bottle will not be ideal for the application to the model it could be too thick or you know it could be like just too much in your brush this sort of thing so having a palette allows you to manipulate the paint and get it to the ideal point that you need it to be to get the best results on the miniature um this goes like quite typically with things like thinning it down with a bit of water, right? And um, mixing it correctly and then checking to make sure your brush is loaded correctly. But these things are so important. Um, yeah. Probably the most important of uh, all the things to learn. And I can remember many a painting class when I've been sat with people doing um, painting skin tones or, I don't know, painting a space marine or whatever. And you realize the subject's one thing, but really the reason why the person, as the individual, is struggling with things is because they don't, uh, they're going through the motions, but they've not clicked yet as to what they're looking for. It's like a feel in the paint that when you've got it, you can suddenly find that with any paint from any manufacturer and all the doors start opening to you. So that's the key thing to learn. It's making sure you bring the paint to the correct consistency by thinning it down and then making sure your brush is loaded correctly. And that usually means having less paint on the brush than you think you need. But if you thinned it correctly, what paint is in the brush and held within it will flow from it almost like ink from a fountain pen. So that, that is something to, in particular with our videos, when we're getting paint ready, um, because I do it every time, I can sometimes briefly go past it. But um, watch what I do on the palette. That's mm. so important. And if you can get your head around that, and it'll get much easier for you. Yeah, I, I think that there's some really solid advice. I used to be a pot straight to the model guy for, for oh, a very, very long time. So did I. Um, yeah. And then and then obviously eventually I, I, I started using the palette. And now I use a wet palette. And that thing is mm. amazing. Like, mm. uh, it's just helped my painting so much. And the, although they seem like not complicated tools but like advanced tools they're really not that they're, they're, no, they're very straightforward and anybody can use them and mm. um straight away you know start seeing the the results on on the miniatures um so yeah that that's that's mm. some fantastic advice duncan much appreciated and hopefully it'll help you guys Thank listen you. to podcasts to um to go on and paint uh, a little bit better as well and make sure you check out duncan's videos uh, as always over on his painting academy 
Um, that's our top three choices. Uh, we do have one final segment left on this week's podcast. It's the community top three, and that's coming up next. So it's time for the final segment of this week's podcast. It's time to see what the community have chosen as their hobby advice. Um, so we're going to head straight over to X and Matt. What have we got, Matt? So over on Twitter, uh, Claude Savagely says, number three, do it your way. If you like it, it's fine. That's really, really good advice. And that links back to kind of Andy's realistic painting thing. You know, you, you contrary to popular belief, you don't have to shade or hide your models. You could just spray them a colour and painting the, the you know the the metal weapons and that's fine if you want to spend 80 hours painting a single model that is also fine it is your hobby uh number two there's no set way to do it but finding a way that works for you is important mm. and then number one perfect is the enemy of done having something you're happy with and is done is better than never getting there that's good advice out, yeah uh, he's also got a bonus one from his wife don't buy all the Warhammer. <laughs> <laughs> How did that get on here? <laughs> that is awesome. Should have vetted these first, shouldn't I? Uh, Anonymous Rex, number three, try to set an achievable hobby goal for yourself. I think that's a really good advice. Uh, number two, feel free to jump between hobby projects. A few one-off minis can help boost motivation. Yeah, I find I, I agree with Jay. Don't have like 20 things on your desk because it's just going to get messy and disorganized. But a palette cleanser project can also kind of get the hobby juices going as well. Mm. And number one, reach out to local clubs. Warhammer store owners might know local gaming clubs if you can't find them online. If you are in the Cheshire area, if you search for the Purple Sparkly Unicorns on Facebook and Twitter, uh, you will find them and come down because it's a great group. Uh, The Black Wolf, um, number one, start simple. A huge amount of info and background so you won't and can't know it all at once. That is it. I mean, we look at the Horus Heresy, what, 60 plus books, countless rule books. There's a lot to take in. You know, it just maybe start nibbling into a small part of the, the guys, hobby universe first. Uh, number two, be easy on yourself. It will take time to learn to paint and the rules for gaming. And three, pick, appeal, pick what appeals to you, not others, either for the background and model range. And finally, Mark Dewhurst says, three, you're going to make mistakes, but don't worry about it as long as you learn from them. Two, collect and paint what you want to, not what is the current hot thing. And one, have a rough plan of how you want your army to look, feel and play before sinking all your hobby funds into it. And that's really good advice that we've had there. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Some excellent choices. Um, leads me to ask the question, Matt. <laughs> What is next week's top three? So, obviously in the summer, we've probably got the fourth edition of Age of Sigma on the way. So I want to know the top three things that you want to see in fourth edition Age of Sigma. Excellent. So you can get your choices in via our social media. We will be putting a tweet, Facebook message, etc. out a little bit of time before the recording. So you can reply to those or you can get them in early um, to us and we'll read out as many as we can on the next show which i said is next week it'll like to be in two weeks um, but you got what i meant i'm sure um that was a great little show guys a bit of a retro throwback there as well Whoa, so it's a grand old time excellent it's great having the whole team on as well always brings a smile to my face 
So until next time, um, keep an eye on spruceandbrews.com for all the latest sort of posts and news and uh, reviews. And we'll be back again in a couple of weeks with another podcast. Until then, happy hobbying. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Spruce and Brews podcast. For more content, remember to check out spruceandbrews.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a tweet at Spruce and Brews or head over to facebook.com forward slash Spruce